0: Good evening and welcome to Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 16, Episode 18 of our flagship magazine motorsport programme. My name's John Hindorff. Beautiful evening. Looking out the windows at uh, Hindorff Towers here, onto the meadow, catching the reflection of what is a gorgeous sunset on the trees. Sunsetting behind us, but lovely light this evening. Uh, Best part of the day. Absolutely the best part of the day. Up in London, our executive producer is Tim Gray. Evening, Tim.
2: Good evening John and it's definitely not the best part of the day here because this morning we had clear blue skies and bright sunshine and since about quarter to three it has poured with rain continuously.
0: Oh we we had rain and uh, we had hailstones as well today Um, and as I say beautiful now by far the best part of the day on a packed programme tonight for episode 18 of series 16 we have what uh
2: we have a winner we have someone who wants to be a winner and we have someone who's talked about winners for a very very long time uh they're our guests we'll also have our regular contributors shay adam nick damon and declan brennan uh, and we've got a point press release of the week as well
0: and your submissions on at spec Um, just to fill in some of those gaps uh, with a bit of look at technology Sam Smith from uh, the race will be joining us just after 9 o'clock he's on his way to Monaco for the Formula E so we'll take the opportunity to disturb him in what I'm sure is a fantastically large suite that he's in uh, at the moment and find out what's been happening and have a chat about uh, some of the controversies of Formula E as well as looking forward to the streets of the Principality Race at the weekend. I also uh, written a
2: quiz question that you'll have to do for him as well. Have you? Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. yeah. Uh, AFAs tonight from Jesse Young. Huge congratulations over the weekend to Joey Mawson winning the inaugural uh, five, Formula 5000 championship and achieving the coveted Gold Star. A thrill to be there in person and watch the event. Uh, well, you'll hear talk from him Tomorrow. I was going to say, isn't he on, on the grid this week? He will be. It? Yep. More news of that later on. Uh, the Sim Racing Bar Stewart listening as a warm-up to watching the 1995 Le Mans review bought with my Duke video points. They do very good Le Mans reviews with a fantastic commentary team in recent years. <laughs> That's very kind of you. <laughs> SRBS, very good. Uh, Matt N D EFAs uh, trying not to get lost, out navvying on a local 12 car rally. Wow, long time since I've done one of those. EFAs for the Porsche Sport team as well, busy racing in the virtual Porsche uh, Cars Great Britain. Sim racing on iRacing tonight, so catching up in the office tomorrow morning. Oh, sorry, is that a bit loud for you? Hello, Porsche Sport. Uh, the Colonel listening live. Uh, no EFAs for the final word on the weekend's racing. Keep up the great work. Will more Verstappen mistakes in Portugal be crucial at the end of the season? Sir Lewis Hamilton shows his class yet again. We'll have Nick uh, in the second hour with his team-by-team Formula 1 look back at the AIA event. Patrick Ardrom says coming in, uh, I'll be listening in. NASCAR unveiling their next-gen car at the same time. But isn't that the next-gen, next-gen car, Patrick? They've already had a next-gen car. At least one.
2: This is a Gen Six car.
0: Right. So is that the next, 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 next-gen car? Next. Is that right? next. 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 Next-gen car. Thomas Schmidt says, "Go and try and hear about it tomorrow." On our way to the Monaco E.P. As long as I can convince my co-driver to go down there. EFS with knife from Brody. Still catching up after a successful weekend at Donington Mad Jack 3rd in class. Oh, well done. It's good to know. Hello to Carol Brink, tuning in with Twin Deer in the garden uh, this morning as it is. Uh, no, just into the afternoon, of course, for Carol. She's Pacific time. Uh, Alex Orkin, no air just finishing cooking sea bass with Asian greens and crushed, crushed new potatoes. The washing up beckons. You still sure haven't Mark guessed what
2: cuisine I've been eating tonight.
0: Uh, Sunderland cuisine, because it's the 5th of May and everybody celebrates Sunderland's FA Cup win in 1973. I'm sure you think that's so the I think I had Mexican,
2: but that was wrong as well. I had South African.
0: Did you? Did they have cuisine? They what do. What style of cuisine is that then? Well, I mean, there's. A two, Did you was, put the brai
2: on? It was uh, some very diverse types of cuisine in South Africa. You've got the brai, uh, and you've got the uh, springbok, um, but I had the peri peri.
0: Oh, okay. Uh huh. Um, did, uh, did, was that did you put the bra on in the back garden in your new outdoor kitchen uh,
2: no, as Not I say it's been raining really since quarter to three
0: well, I don't know, but it's covered it uh, is AFA's from Mark Bowley looking forward to catching up on the archive on the round from Spa and all the great news from Porsche on customer cars let's hope we're heading back to the good old days the 956 and the 962 uh, yes, us too EFS uh, says Ted Tuffield. Looking uh, forward to the podcast on the commute to work. Chris Suku, no AFAs. Quick si- chill- chicken and salad wrap. Wrap and some lemon drizzle cake. Heart discussions on LMP2. post spa perhaps. Just stirring the pot there. Stephen Gardner, hoping his internet doesn't cut out I mean, after the first half hour. Making a good podcast, which what happened last week. Marcus Miller, big AFAs. Wife has got the states for her. And I'm I'm fending for myself, he says. Daniel Summergill, listening live tonight, wishing Ollie Gavin well following the announcement of retirement for professional motorsport. Uh, We'll be talking about that later on. Hello to Michael Hetherington, to Simon Hoff, to James Counter, who is EFA's again and I think the exam went well last week, but doing the shopping with a good lady whilst you're on air. Doug Amner doing some housework, so you'll need to speak up when I've got the vacuum cleaner on. All right, Doug. Headphones man Headphones Serafina listening in live Some of those vacations can be
2: very loud though Yes You need Simon to have the oil filled ones So that it blocks out all the background noise
0: Get a rope or one like I've got uh, Getting ready for a live listen tonight Looking forward to the Formula E cest, uh, se- section uh, Can't walk with the race format and fan vote mm. know what you mean It's a world championship Not a popularity contract it's Not strictly is it uh, we'll have that in the first part of the second uh, half of the hour. Or second half for sure, should I say. It. Live again for Kevin Payne. For uh, Rob Chalmers. Uh, Sp- SpaceX Starship test launch as well tonight. Uh, Matthew Heinemann, No apologies for absence. Uh, Jules Outybridge, Bridge. Shenanigans. Unsp- no, sorry, AFAs for tonight, shenanigans catching up on t- podcast. Sarah Rigby has made it back home. think our weather swap with yours, Tim. Wet and windy at the local garden centre this morning. Lovely sunshine this afternoon. LF Filipponi, NASCAR, unveiled the new cars. Immediately not sure what they're going to do with the rest of their time, so I've tuned in now. That's good, though. That's good. Hello, and my first time listening for the first time, a veteran podcast listener for four years, Sean Facey Welcome to the live show at just before 10 past 8. We've had a lot to get through. Keep those questions, comments and points arising coming in at Spec Entertainment. Tim will shuffle the papers and get to the top story.
2: Before they do that, we've got some congratulations to uh, give out, don't we? Do we? Yes. Go on then. What's the song?
0: Um... I thought it was going to be Cry by Godly and Cream when it first came. Well, up. it's I Godly really and Cream. Isn't. Yeah. Uh, don't know.
2: Wedding Bells. Oh, okay. Uh, congratulations to Diana Binks.
0: <laughs> right. Is that, is that common knowledge now? I wasn't sure whether we meant to mention that. It's all uh, over Mark social Millen. media. All right. Well, congrats to, uh, to Diana Binks. Uh, and Mark Miller, who got married this week as well. He actually got married this week. She's said yes, has she? She but has. The question has been popped. Excellent. Uh, well done to all concerned. All right. Top story, please.
1: All the latest motorsport news from around
3: the world. Midweek Motorsport.
2: We're going to start in North America and specifically Texas. So let's say hello to uh Shea Adam.
0: <laughs> you Hello. nearly forgot that, didn't you? I, I, was, I was
2: so busy uh, being distracted by other things that I, I forgot the name of Shea Adam.
0: By Binksy's engagement?
2: By Mark Miller's, actually.
0: What, Mark Miller's wedding? wedding he's actually, yeah. that's, that's done, the deed he's, is
2: done. He's gone a step further. To live further. from
0: be spirited away, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, that One Step Further was not Godly and Cree. Uh that, that was a Eurovision song, wasn't it? Um. Well, you want to start with the American news. Dig us out of this. Let's go to we... Texas, Shay. I was at Texas at the weekend, or at least my voice Diff- was. Different Texas. <laughs> oh, okay. No, uh, same Texas, different race track.
2: Different parts of Texas. <laughs> both, both equally wet, though, Shay.
0: At various stages.
3: Uh, yes, yes. Hello to both of you and, and to everybody out there. Um, yeah, the weather in Texas was not very pleasant, to the point where Al Roker was even mentioning it on the Today Show weather report on Wednesday morning, talking about the impending storms coming on Saturday. So we can't say that we were very surprised by the fact that IndyCar had several sessions delayed and that the races at Coda were also uh, more than just slightly affected by the weather.
2: Now, Zach Brown was just four years old when McLaren last won an IndyCar race.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ouch.
2: Uh, there was a long period where McLaren didn't take part in IndyCar races, uh, uh, over four decades there. Uh, but uh, Pasaro Ward uh, won for McLaren on Sunday, uh, another milestone, being the first Mexican to win since Adrian Fernandez.
3: Yeah, and he did throw down at the end of that race. Uh, it started out as... A very intriguing race, but then toward the ending stages, it it became evident that it was going to be a fuel-saving race. And Scott Dixon was out in front. He got passed quite easily by Graham Rahal, who then got passed by Joseph Newgarden, who led for a good amount of time. Caution came out, threw everything up into the winds, and then all of a sudden, uh, Padua Ward comes storming to the front, passes Joseph Newgarden in a very decisive move very good move and uh let's hear from pato
0: oh
4: finally man oh that was uh that was a long race but man we had so much place in this Our mclaren sp number five i gotta thank our electronics views team chevy uh mission foods man everybody in this team has been doing such a good job and uh, we bounced back from last weekend Uh, we got a podium yesterday we had pace and we got the job done today, man. I couldn't be happier for, for another group of guys. Uh, honestly, no. Um, but, hey, I take it. It's Texas. It's very close to my heart. I've lived here for many years. Yeah. And uh, many Mexicans were out there in the grandstand. So
0: thank you guys so much. And um, so happy, man. Finally.
2: Pato they there celebrating on Sunday after the race, but that was the second of two IndyCar races at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, and as Pato said, he was on the podium in third place uh, in Saturday's race. Ahead of him, a pair of Kiwis, Shay.
3: And what a battle between the two of them. Scotty McLaughlin, first oval race, he was impressive. There, there's no other way to put it. Um, very clean run from him and doing his best to try and track down The guy who practically owns Texas Motor Speedway, he's got a 25% win rate there at that track, Scott Dixon, who ultimately came home with the win. So four races, four different winners, but it is still Scott Dixon leading the championship. Just got to put that out there for everybody. Um, I don't know if you guys heard the radio message from uh, our favorite Kiwi uh, new to IndyCar racing, Scotty Mack. He said hi to his parents when he was thanking the crew for giving him a car that finished second.
0: I've never heard anybody so happy. In fact, did he say, Tim, I've never been so happy to finish second? He did
2: indeed. Also, (laughs) uh, I want to pick up on something. Lee Diffie, being Antipodean himself, should know the time difference between the US and New Zealand. Um when he said that uh, in a commentary that uh, Scott McLaughlin's parents would have been uh, up in the early hours of the morning. No, it was midday in New Zealand. Yeah, I was (laughs) going (laughs) to say
3: Oops.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, The other Scott, Scott Dixon, was absolutely uh, imperious on the Saturday race. They just nailed everything. Um, I now his I family thought... would have
2: been up in the early hours of the morning, because uh... Uh, Emma and his kids are in uh, the UK at the moment.
0: In the UK, yes, they are. Yeah, hey. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the second race, um, wasn't what what I didn't understand about the second race, share is how, how did everybody behind Pato or Ward get their fuel calculations so wrong or not put enough in? Or has did Pato or Ward have an invisible petrol tanker sitting behind him? Because they all pitted within two or three laps of each other and everyone else was fuel saving like mad. And Pato wasn't on Sunday. And that's how he won the race.
3: Yeah. And to be honest... I'm not entirely sure either, John. I was wondering the same thing. I listened to about the last 70 laps or so on um, IndyCar radio, actually, when I was driving back to the airport, and it was one of those things that they kept mentioning how everybody was backing up the pace and and how the lap times were falling off because everyone was trying to make it to the end, except for Pato. So I'm not sure if he was saving fuel early in the run, and then when they gave him the go-ahead, he was able to turn it to full rich or if they just were throwing it at the wall and seeing if it would Mm. stick, win or go home at this stage in the championship.
0: Yeah, and how does the championship stand?
3: Well, it is Scott Dixon in the lead of things. Um, The thing that I found most interesting coming out of this race, though, is the discrepancy in the teams as far as the championship goes. You've got two Penske drivers up in the top five, I want to say, two Ganassi drivers up in the top five. But then you've got people like Pato Award mixing it up there at the top, two In second place, Alex Pellew, as I said, in third for Ganassi. Graham Rahal, though, sitting in fifth. Yeah. So, Graham's having a good run. And then Colton Herta, he has a terrible race, wins a race, has a terrible race, does okay in a race. So, he's down in seventh. I'm expecting Andretti to be a little bit further up in the standings.
0: Another bad race for Rossi uh, as well. I like what Graham Rahal yeah. said, actually. He said, "Look, I know everybody's saying it's a one groove track, and it was very difficult to get any grip at all on the uh, what do they call it? The PT one or whatever they call it. That's that's the compound they put on the upper groove for uh, the NASCAR tires to try and open PJ up the PJ one. PJ one. There you go. Oh, like peanut one.
2: butter and jelly. <laughs>
0: okay, no, that's PJ. Because it's and got G that one. much
3: grip. PB and J.
0: No, it hasn't. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. It hasn't for for yeah. the Firestone tires. But Graham Rahal was saying, "Look." Planning to get past people, including upshifts and downshifts, when you're that busy at 220 miles an hour, it's, it might not be, look good to you, but trust me, it's a real challenge. I like that kind of attitude from from Graham Rahal, from Graham Rahal. Uh, let's that talk knows. Let's talk about Rossi and Ryan Hunter yeah. Uh Tim, what points do you want to make there?
2: They're both doing terribly, aren't they?
0: Well, they're awful. Absolutely yeah. awful. Uh, and, I mean... Even this early in the, the season, um, Rossi, in some respects, and even more so, I think Ryan Hunter reay their um, body language and, and what they're seeing, it, it, it feels like their heads have gone down already.
2: Ryan Hunter Ray's been in this situation totally. for years, though, hasn't he? I mean, sort of a downward uh, curve. Um, and you yeah. think at some point he's got to accept that he's not going to be. Uh, a race-winning championship challenging driver again and needs to retire. But Alex Rossi is still supposed to be one of the young, up-and-coming stars like Newgarten and uh, all that crew.
3: Yeah, and and uh, to be honest, Tim, I, I agree with what you're saying about Hunter Ray as much as it pains me to say. He's not lost any speed. I mean, he just won the 12 hours of Sebring back in November for Mazda. He's still a very quick driver. He's just hasn't had the magic in IndyCar that some of his teammates have had in recent years. You mentioned uh, Rossi, who's consistently up there challenging for the championship. I feel like Rossi's fate this year has been a little bit forewritten in the fact that he came out and said, basically anything less than the championship will not do. And now he's sitting, what, 15th in points after four races. We have eight, 12 we've got a fair number of races left to go where he can dig himself out of this hole, but Mm. it's going to be very difficult because the competition is so stiff this year.
0: And and we're in the month of May, which means Indianapolis, although we've got the road course uh, first. But Tim, you've got some news about the Indy 500, and it's good news for one particular driver.
2: Yes, uh, driver number 37, Stefan Wilson. Uh, Not car number 37. He's the 37th driver we know of that will be taking part in the 500. Very good. Uh,
4: Mm.
2: With Andretti Autosport, after securing backing from the ladies' golf apparel brand Lola, not spelt that way. uh, The 31-year-old and no A. Uh, The Ah. 31-year-old from Rotherham says it all came about after a chance encounter at a track day at Thermal in California.
4: It's been a long road to get back here uh, after 2018. And uh, I- I'm just absolutely thrilled that we we're able to put this uh, partnership together and-, and this program together and can't wait to get going. So, yeah, just over uh, just about two weeks now, uh, 14 days, uh, we'll be in the car and turning laps at in the Indianapolis Speedway. So, couldn't be more excited. It really comes down to bringing really great people together to make this happen. And one of those is obviously on the line with us today, Don Kusick. You know, I met Don about uh, two or three months ago now, uh, out at a track day event out at, in California and uh, at the Fremont Motorsport Park, and um, you know, we we were just uh, you know enjoying driving on the track and uh, and getting and getting to talk IndyCar car racing. You know, uh, it's something that has been a big, a lifelong passion for Don, and and uh, and a you know, a lot of passion for the Indianapolis Five Hundred as well, and. We started talking about that and, and talking about, he, he wanted to go to the event and, um, you know, so hooked him up and, and made sure he was, uh, taken care of with some, some sweets. And, you know, he invited me along and I said, I, uh, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's, kind of hard to be there and, and not, not be in the share, and not be, not be in the race and I said, let's let's do something about that. Let's change that. So, you know, I couldn't thank Don enough for that. And at the same time, a uh, big shout out to him as well for, for utilizing the program. To, to raise awareness for a uh, for a new and upcoming uh, company at Lola Sport which is a woman owned company as well so it's really exciting to be representing them and their line uh, of, of products so uh, yeah just a massive shout out to Don and and at the same time Andretti Sport too. you know it's it, uh, you know f- from from my side you know obviously I did a good enough job in 2018 that you know to come back to to Andretti and say hey how about we going to do this again um, they were, they were pretty open to it. So, you know, that, that was encouraging to know, uh, that, uh, you know, we could put that together, have a, have a strong program and have a lot of familiar people around me that I've worked with in 2018 and before in the past as well. So, uh, you know, and that's, that's nice. It's not something new. I know exactly how the team operates, how we go through, uh, each day and how we wrap up each day. And that's, that's actually really beneficial you know, the fact that we have six cars, you know, the the fact that we, you know, collectively work together as one um is what uh, gives us that benefit, you know, because if we just did our own thing and didn't talk at the end of the days, then you know, we, we wouldn't be able to cover as much ground and uh and develop the car as much. So I think that that knowing what to expect going into the month is uh is nice is a nice change compared to 2018. And um, you know, I think the yeah, the the idea of, of working with, uh, with some of the same, in, same uh, drivers. You know, I've got three drivers that I've worked with in 2018. Uh, Hinch uh, is a new one for me, but I've known Hinch since uh, 2010. In fact, when I first came to the States, I was uh, a roommate, we were roommates together. So um, I'm looking forward to working professionally with him and then uh, the addition of Colton as well. He's uh, obviously a bit of a standout. So I'm excited to work, work with him as well. The engineering side is staying relatively the same on the 25 team, um, so keeping that core group together is going to help me again pick up this pick up uh, where I left off and hopefully get the ground running. There's still a lot to get done. You know, I think uh, you know we've we've achieved a lot in a short amount of time over the last four weeks. You know, this this kind of program usually takes a little bit longer to get going, but it can only it can only move as quickly as it did because the the Pete the people behind it was such uh, such awesome, awesome people to work with, you know, Don between Don, Lisa, Hurley, and, and lower sport, you know, they've been uh, just such great partners. And then also everyone at Andretti order sport has really pulled together to kind of help us catch up and, uh, and really make up a lot of ground very quickly. I us in a good place and, and now a case of, uh, you know, ticking off the final bits and uh, bits and pieces to make sure that not only am I ready to hit the track, but from a partnership standpoint, it's really ready to go to make sure it's the best possible month for everyone involved on and off the track it, it it's been a bit of a roller coaster in my career you know it it's had its ups and it's also had its downs and um you know the it, there's been a lot of periods of time where i haven't had something to to uh to race and I, you know, at the same time, I uh, I, I come from a, a, a wealthy background, a wealthy family myself. Uh, you know, I, I have to make this work and I, I work very hard at it. And, you know, it, it, the Indy 500, it may only be a month, but for drivers like myself that are committed to it, it's it's a year long uh, commitment. You know, it's something that we work around, you, you know, around the clock all year to try and make it back and to try and race this race. And in 2019 it's not like I didn't try. Like I was trying all year to to make that race. and It didn't happen. You know, we, we can't, we actually had, um, everything ready to go that year. Uh, we had a partnership lined up with a team and fortunately the the main sponsor backed out at the last minute and left me high and dry. And, and then in 2020 we were just, I was just trying to throw things together at the last minute to, to try and hop, you know, hop in a ride then and didn't quite work out either. So you know, after a couple of years, you start wondering, like, well, man, is that is twenty eighteen? Is that the last laps I'm going to run at Indy? And um, you know, just makes me even more hungry that when I get on the track, I've got to I've got to prove that I belong there, got to earn it, and at the same time repay the trust that's been put in me by not only Andretti Autosport but by Don Sick, by Cusick Motorsports, by Lola Sport, and everyone else involved. You know, so um, I think it fuels a bit of hunger for me. Uh, to just make the most of every opportunity i get behind the wheel you know and in between that time you know i've been just sitting on the couch i've been uh you know working away uh c- coaching as well you know i've got to earn money to pay the bills so you know do a lot of coaching work and working with uh drivers in in multiple series but m- mostly in the ferrari challenge series um you know and and that allows me to you know keep uh devoted a lot of time to to working to try and return to the Indy 500
0: that was Stefan Wilson talking earlier on today uh, about his opportunity to try and qualify for the Indy 500 with Andretti, as he said, Sheer, But as of right now, four drivers will not make the big show. Stefan's been out of it for a while. You heard what he said there. He's with a good team. Chance to qualify?
3: For sure. Uh, when I look at the drivers who are going to attempt to qualify for the Indy 500... And you look at the ones that are listed there, there are a couple that give you pause and you think, no, I'm not entirely sure that you'll be able to make the grid. But Stefan Wilson is one of those that not only do I have faith in him to make the race, particularly when you hear him talking about how he works nonstop to try and be in the Indy 500, he is going to give everything. In that qualifying session on saturday and then again on sunday to try and make sure that he is safe uh, for bump day but he is one of those drivers who is po- possible leader of the race and you think back it wasn't that long ago he was leading with only a few laps to go and needed to dive into the pits for fuel but stefan is somebody who is very much a good dark horse bet particularly running with andretti
2: You have to remember that not being a full-season regular in the IndyCar series is not really a disadvantage here because they do so few ovals anyway uh, that his experience at Indy will be enough. The car is no different to when he last ran in 2018. The car is really no different to 2013.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're right. That's a fair point. The big difference is the arrow screen. That has made a, a difference in the way that the cars handle at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But for the other thing is, just because you're a full-season runner doesn't mean you're guaranteed a spot on the show. So that means that yep. Steph is not at a disadvantage, whereas he would be fighting for one of fewer spots. He's fighting for one of 33 spots.
0: And anybody can have a bad day, as we know. Anybody can yeah. have a, their you know uh, primary run broken up um, for whatever reason, a technical issue, they could hit the wall, whatever. Um, that's the lottery of Indy 500 qualifying, and that's what makes it great. Uh, it can be a make or break time for, for somebody's uh, season. Nice to hear that uh, Thermal was mentioned there, by the way. Hello, Kevin Brink, working in Thermal uh, at the moment. Uh, and Sarah, Shall we Rigby, and go on. Sarah Rigby and uh, Declan Brennan reminded me it was Bardo who did one step further, which makes me feel very, very old indeed. <laughs> Mentioned
2: a flowery um, challenge there as well, Shay. You were at Sonoma at the weekend?
3: I was. It was actually very good weather and very good racing. Um, Cooper McNeil and Jason McCarthy continued their undefeated seasons And we've had new winners in Copa Shell AM every time that we've come out for that category. It's been quite entertaining this year. All the racing streamed live and free online.
0: Uh, And talk about new winners in NASCAR.
3: Yes, (laughs) another different winner. And this one, I swear to you, was not scripted, but it should have been because you could say that Bushy McBush face won the Bushy McBush race. Very good. Yeah. yeah, Kyle Busch coming home with his first race win of the year on his birthday weekend, so that's mm. pretty exciting. How many uh, different
2: winners have we had now, Shay? Is it 10 in 11 races? I believe races?
3: it's 10 in 11 10, races, 11.
0: yeah. Who's the only two times, uh, only uh, uh, repeat winner?
3: Truex, I want to say.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, and the first time that last, the first time the 48 has been in the, uh,
3: yeah,
0: a couple of weeks ago in the in the victory circle for a very, very long time. Anyway, we'll catch up with NASCAR later on in the season. couple of very sad stories coming out of the US uh, with a couple of very high profile deaths, I'm afraid to report, share. And first of all, Bobby Unza.
3: Yeah, Bobby Unser, the only driver to win the Indianapolis 500 in three different decades, died in his home in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was the third of the Unser brothers, but the first of the family to win the 500 in 1968. He was very proud of his Air Force stint from 1953 to 1955. A USAC national champion twice over 1968 and 1974, and he also worked as a commentator for the major networks on TV, broadcast for the IndyCar races, as well as for the IMS radio network. He was 87 years old.
0: Absolute legend. And there will be a lot of people who are grieving for him. We pass on our condolences to all who knew him, called him a friend, or part of. The family. And sad to say, that's not the only death we have to report uh, this week from the U.S. racing team uh, scene uh, um, share.
3: For 14 years, Eric McClure was a regular in NASCAR competition, primarily in the Xfinity series, with one top 10 finish. He was diagnosed a couple of years ago with severe musculoskeletal disorder. He's survived by his seven daughters.
0: Uh, had been somewhat uh of a controversial character um uh, with his home life particularly uh but we do pass on our of course we pass on our condolences to everyone who knew uh, knew him and w- was only forty seven uh
3: forty two i thought but in his in his forties yes
0: yeah. in his early forties oh. yeah um um Best to everybody. Uh, and Tim, uh, you have, I'm afraid, in what has been a, uh, a difficult week for us all across motorsports, slightly closer to home to us in the UK here, uh, another uh, another death to report.
2: And close to home in the broadcasting sense as well because it's a commentator. So. And Timo Hanlon, uh, the pit lane reporter and timekeeper for the Isle of Man TT, uh, the man who provided all the information on who'd gained and lost time in the pit stops, in not only the TT, but the classic TT, and the Manx Grand Prix. He was 73 years old, a proud Manxman, uh, and uh, one who was not only involved in motorsport, but also with the uh, football club, uh, the the Maroon Football Club, Deepest uh, consolances to his wife, uh, Liz.
0: You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 16, Episode 18. I uh, want to move on to one of the big stories coming out of the States. Um, not a massive surprise to us uh, here, Cher. Uh, well, I say that. Some of it, not a massive surprise. The substantive <laughs> part. You know what I'm going to talk about. This is Porsche Team Penske. Uh, Porsche renewing new, renewing their partnership uh, in IMSA, with Penske being selected to run the cars on behalf of the factory when they uh, are racing in, from 2023 in the LMD Dpi 2.0 category. We hark back to the LMS DS and the RS Spider here, the, the Rumour is that they might actually be still using that V8 direct injection <laughs> uh, DFI engine uh, in that car. We'll find out whose chassis that decision's been made for both Porsche and for Audi. It hasn't been communicated yet. The hot favourites are Multimatic, but it will be Penske who run that factory. Team. uh, the slightly surprising part perhaps to some people was that they will also run a parallel programme in the WEC with a base presumably out of Weissach in in Germany. Um, You can't argue. I've seen some very negative comments about Penske being involved um, Mm. with this, but you can't argue with Penske, Team Penske's... uh, track record, literally, um, especially running very similar types of cars recently in IMSA.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And it's one of those things that as somebody who has posters of the yellow and red Porsches from not very long ago with uh, Penske's history tethered all around it, um, it's very exciting news. Nonetheless, Penske know how to win. They've done it in the DPI category twice, winning the championship. They're very effective in winning. You can argue everything except for the major races because you no know, Petit, uh, Watkins, Sebring, or Daytona wins. Those were the the big ones missing from the resumes with Acura, but that's not the fault necessarily of Mr. Penske nor the organization. Porsche, Penske, Motorsport, PPM, it's got a good ring to it. And this parallel program that they announced, it, it's got so much reminiscence of ford chip ganassi racing they announced at the same time running in WEC and in imsa so it's been done it's been done well i don't see why penske can't do it well
0: well and you know porsche will expect that car to be able to compete in both uh, uh partway through the last partnership with penske other privateers were running the cars in europe and uh won le mans it's I think it's first time at asking um, in 2008 with Van Merkstein. In fact, they were first and second that year from memory, um, and the uh, they won the Elms a couple of seasons as well. Uh, privateer, other privateers is very much in the mix here, um, according to Porsche, both on our prototype panel um, in December last year and in the the press release, is there a slight, I mean, you brought it up there, is there a a question mark, not even a slight question mark, is there a question mark about Penske's ability to deliver in the longer races then?
3: There has to be, because they ran two cars for four years was it three,
0: three years three years, three years. The, 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 so the, the contract was for three years you know i've seen yep. people saying that they are vetoed other people getting the cars that was that was the deal between yeah. acura and penske and it was for three years they didn't leave early they didn't quit the series they did what <laughs> they wanted to do and the reason that, that, that acura and penske decided on two cars is because they wanted to concentrate their efforts on that and frankly mm-hmm. that did pay dividends in terms of drivers teams and manufacturers championships but they didn't win the longer races.
3: No, and and that was going to be my point was they they had three attempts uh, at each of the major races with two cars over that period of time with zero wins. We come into 2021, and and this is not saying anything negative about Penske. This is please don't don't mm. think that I'm being a naysayer on them at all. But we come into 2021 the first attempt for Wayne Taylor racing in the Acura, he gets the win at Daytona. Mm. Wayne is very good at that race. I will give full credit towards he and his team and the organization for putting the car together, but it doesn't and look good. And, and the drivers. driver selection but of drivers, yeah. It doesn't look good when one team has been trying for, it, basically six attempts and coming up with zero watches, and another team <laughs> comes in with one attempt and comes away with four watches. So uh, it, it it does come into the... the thought
0: process at some point roger penske very excited yes this is a business deal for him yes you know as in everything he won't be spending his own money and you know i i respect him for that he's a clever bloke he's a good businessman but he has said today le mans is the only thing missing from team penske's trophy cabinet and from his effectively effectively from his cv and he's probably right there's not much else for him to go for is
3: there (laughs) it's true i mean how many times can you win the indy 500 or the brickyard 400 or the daytona 500 no mr penske has been extremely successful in everything and he has to be excited not only about the opportunity to go and, and race at le mans and get the overall win and the overall honors but also it's continuing a relationship that he's had with porsche for more than six decades now it's a long history and of course he wants to be the one to bring more honor to the Porsche name and to continue Porsche's winning streak at Le Mans. They already hold the record for most number of manufacturer wins, but he wants to move the goalpost even further and put it even more out of reach. Just
0: before we move on, I want to bring Nick Damon in on this. How significant is this for the WEC Um, Porsche we knew about? We, I think sort of presume Porsche would run their own program or um, shovel it out to uh, a team perhaps that they had a, a relationship with in, in Europe or the World Championship. Uh, I'm thinking Manti, although they're a GT, uh, GT team, although they are majority owned by Porsche. Now, how significant for the WEC having uh, Porsche Team Penske or Porsche Penske Motorsport, Nick Damon?
5: I think it's very significant that they are prepared to split a champ- into both championships with a car, which is obviously primarily aimed at the American regulations. And I think it would be the precursor of most of the other manufacturers doing it as well. Um, not sure, but yeah, Pentic obviously will run it in name. Not sure whether there's a satellite operation up in, in Europe somewhere to actually run the uh, WC. I think they'll have to, but I think I, 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 I I'll be I'll be very surprised if it isn't at or near Vysak. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very close relationship already. So uh, you, know, you know, historically it's gone very well. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be uh, uh, very successful. we to see how um, how Audi decide to go ahead now.
0: Well, and and that was going to be my next question. They have uh, a number of of teams already running LMP2 cars. We don't know what engine they're using, although they'll be using the same as we suspect, Multimatic uh, chassis uh, as Uh, As Porsche, uh, there'll be some bodywork design to do in the new DPI 2.0 LMDHs. There's a little more freedom in the aero. But, I mean, you've got to look at Phoenix
5: and uh, WRT, those kind of people, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the people who are... You know, you need to look at the people who are running the uh, the Audis and DTM this year, because, uh, mm-hmm. again, that's that's one level down but where the, the, the emphasis has been. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be no shortage of people if you've got a budget who are going to be going around going, well, there's three or four great choices of cars, uh, you know, Audi and um Porsche and the other cars are going to come in as well on the uh, DPI side, yeah. uh, Acura and, and whatever Gerald Motors comes, and they'll and get a chance to choose. And obviously, some of those are going to be favoured and get a little bit of backdoor support. Um, but the car should all be even. It's a chance to turn up and uh, and buy a car and see how far. You know, don't forget the Van um Porsche RS Spires were very very quick in Europe, you know, and they were just uh, off the yeah, shelf. Yeah, as we said, Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, and, and that, effectively, and this is this is the other thing, isn't it? And and in hour two, we'll talk about. WEC uh, at the weekend, but effectively, all of these LMDHs, DPI 2.0s, they're all customer cars effectively, because you can't really develop them. What you've got is a LMP2 chassis, you throw a bit of aero kit bodywork on them, you pick your engine, all right, you can mess about with the the suspension, which is a big uh, advantage, but effectively, the difference that Penske's going to have is that their bills are being paid by Porsche and their drivers will come from Porsche. Core Autosport, we know, wants to run one, uh, run one in the US, who were most recently running the factory RSR19 programme. There will be people in Europe that, that want to run them. There, there can be no difference in the equipment, Nick.
5: No, no, but it's going to be interesting about the, the yeah the Porsche juniors and uh, factory driver because obviously they've all come from uh, GT at the moment. Yeah, the the guys in the 919 are kept mostly some out of to... the 919 guys, haven't Who's they? left? Because Earl's gone and Nick's Johnny. gone. Yeah, but Yanni's really logging the tooth now. No offense to Neil, um, you Pat, know he's Pat Long in the states. Yeah, again, it's it's they 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 they're going to be Earl around else not, not in the team anymore, is he? He's running a car, but he's not actually one of their, their signed up drivers, I don't think. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's what they're going to have to look at. They're going to have to look at doing a, a kind of root and branch test to see which of their guys um, translate into prototypes well, there's no nothing to say that they aren't all do that, mm. uh, but some might not. Uh, and then they'll they'll be, I think, casting around for some of the guys who are currently deliberately trying to, to plough their their uh, their careers into P2 as quickly as possible because they can see what's coming. Long in the truth, Neil well,
2: Johnny yes. is at least 15 years younger than you, Nick.
5: Yes, but Nick yeah, I'm, not, not, I'm not, Doesn't profess I'm not to be a race driver. I'm not a professional motor racing driver.
2: No, I think you can Indeed. still be a professional think, racing think, driver think, at the age of 30 something.
5: 41. 41 if he's 15 years younger than me okay uh, he's is, uh, nearly he's 20 years ended...
2: younger than you, oh, I, 37. I, I'm pleased that you think... there were people well, in formula yeah, one older than in. that
5: hmm. yes but no there are people in formula one who are. But even you would say that if they're not starting for two years that's 39 yeah so yeah. and there's nothing against neil yarny by the way i think he's I know, a great guy <laughs> I, the, I, I always think there's too much of a
0: rush to youth. You need somebody who knows what a good prototype feels like. There's plenty of people like that out there that still have Porsche uh, connections. We'll be talking about that more uh, in the next few weeks. Your thoughts, please, on the the lineup for Porsche Penske Motorsport in the US and, indeed, in the WEC. Will they get four? Uh, you can. Will they get
5: four entries to Le Mans possibly? Uh, will won't there be? be... There, won't be enough, there won't be enough space for that. Well, who knows, mate? Who There's knows? There's no way because well, if we think we're getting all the manufacturers, we're getting. They can't possibly give four slots to anyone in one manufacturer. Hmm.
0: I wonder if that's why they've got Penske running both sides of the operation.
5: So yeah, you had the WEC ones are getting automatically. One of the Americans are getting on an invite probably because it'll win something. Um but yeah you're looking you, you don't you, you get just, an invite you,
0: for winning anything in the states. do you? No. There's no automatic oh, invite. It's all invites. Okay, it, okay. It's all discretionary. But all discretionary. I'd spec you Tim and if you've got some ideas Tim what do you reckon Porsche drivers then? Uh
2: well just look at some of the recent Carrera Cup winners from uh, the various series around Europe. Mm-hmm. And potentially the winner of this year's Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Sebastian by the uh, Cayman, Islands.
0: Cayman Islands. And who and who is he a, a factory driver for? Who is Sebpre or factory driver for? Declan Brannan was know this, he's on the other line. Multimatic. Multi Thank you. There's an echo here. Um and who is likely to be the preferred chassis partner for the Volkswagen A G group of uh brands that come in, uh, at Bentley and Lamborghini and Whoever knows, I'd really like to see a, a Skoda LMDH, but I, I somehow think that's not Their coming. Their focus that's is like very <coughs>
2: much on rallying, isn't it?
0: Yes, I know. I know that. I know that. Uh, let's, let's, as Declan chirped in there with a word, let's say good evening to Declan Brennan. Hello, Dex.
1: Hello. How is everybody this fine evening? We are very well. And you and yours? Marvellous on the 48th anniversary of Jim Montgomery's save.
0: I know, mate. I know thank you for posting that the dear i it. i am li- i am literally at the moment i'm wearing my 1973 cup final umbro zip up tracksuit top um well
1: i'm dressed as bob Stoko. i'm in an a, a overcoat a, a a, on a very cheap and a very cheap hat excellent yes. well
2: done i'm a lot uh, younger so i'm wearing my 2010 uh official world cup sweatshirt are
0: oh, you yeah. excellent um uh, from WEC and IMSA to Mortal GP at uh, Jerez de la Frontera uh, Yay, and Ganeto at the weekend. And a race at the front. Well, before we talk of... about
2: the race, John, um, okay. I want to talk about uh, Free Practice 3. Because apparently, after Free Practice 3, if I'm translating this uh, correctly, Mark Marquez had conquers.
6: <laughs> really
5: yeah one aurora 4
2: um so good good to see that uh, people are from elsewhere in the world are embracing what i imagine to be a, a very english game horse chestnuts I
1: will, I will say uh, joking aside and to be honest we this is not being taken nearly seriously by any section of the media yeah the problem with concussion in motorsport And particularly in motorcycle racing, is kind of vast and not being talked about. Mm. And we are definitely in a situation where the riders are not helping themselves right now. Totally agree. I was going to talk about this after the race, but as Tim's Tim's after we talked about the race, but as Tim's
0: brought this up, I I was watching it most of it across the weekend. Uh, I saw what Mark had said, and basically the point being here, uh, is that Mark Marquez basically gave all the symptoms of somebody, in an interview he gave all the symptoms out about how he felt as somebody who had suffered quite a significant concussion, or at least was displaying all of the markers of concussion. Um, we had a really good chat about this, and it's still available. If you, on our site, if you search for... Um, concussion in motorsport. Um, Listen to the experts talking about it. He then fell off again in warm-up and was still cleared to race. However, Nick,
5: other riders weren't cleared to race that weekend. No, I mean, just going back to, I think think the problem is the motorcycle racer's mentality. And the motorcycle bench mentality is exactly the same as the black knight in Monty Python, and the holy grail. You cut off their arm. It's only a scratch. I'll get back on the bike again. Yeah. And no one appears to have the ability to tell them not to, especially if it, if, when they get high up the echelons of, uh, of stardom. Hence the reason Mark Marquez was out for a year, but they don't appear to have learned anything. Do they, you know, people like Nakagami getting back on the bike after he was bashed a bits at him out and all right, eventually he had to step away from it. Um, That someone's got to sit there and just go, no, Mm. you're not doing it. I tweeted on, I tweeted
0: on race day morning Dex, that really this has to be taken out of the hands of anything that is other than completely and utterly independent because the riders have to be protected from themselves. Now, there's a whole question about Valencia and whether the speeds, particularly the speeds in the corners, are outgrowing the runoff. Um, my God, on Sunday, um, if it hadn't been for the air fence, Mark Mark Marcus would have been very badly injured again. That technology works really well, but is it time for for the riders to be protected from themselves and for it to be taken out of the
1: hands, in some respect, of of anything to do with or GP? Yes, of course it is. And I'm gonna. Uh, I don't want to get too maudlin or too sensationalist about this, but what does the name Dave Mirra mean to you? Hmm. Dave Mirra was finished his his uh, career sporting career in, in rallying, but obviously made his name as a BMX rider. Yeah. And D- Dave Mirra shot himself on his driveway. Yeah. Uh, through through depression because he had chronic CTE. Yeah. Because of of constantly hitting his head in a sport where nobody gave any concern to such things at all. And and Dave is probably, unfortunately, in the wrong way, the poster child for for, for a sport that, that uh, you know, embraced the, the the danger and which gave it its appeal, but never thought to think about how, how best to protect its riders yeah. or its competitors. And Modus GP is in exactly the same position. So I keep going back to, in my head to uh, the incredible thing that, uh, happened a couple of weeks ago, where Jorge Martín had an unbelievable accident, like super oh, scary, yes. yeah, and got away. We, in, in inverted commas, with a a a leg break and a, a small a small uh, fracture in his hand and his leg. What nobody talked about or nobody even discussed was whether or not he got he got scanned oh. for uh, for head injury. Well, and, and and the, whether... the massive problem about concussion is, as we found out in our concussion
0: special, is you, you can't scan for it; it doesn't show. It doesn't. show... Now there are different tests that are coming in now that might work better, but still, it is nigh on impossible to detect with a a scan. You've got to rely on the guy's telling you the truth and being able to observe Correct. the symptoms, yes. and and that is a real issue. And to some expe- extent, and I promise we will get onto the race. We're, we're going to have to cut down what we're talking about the race in a minute, but this is worth talking about because I think it's really important to some extent, Nick. One of the issues is that the rest of the safety in MotoGP has come on leaps and bounds. And we've talked about this before on Midweek Motorsport. You can have a big get-off now. And Brad Binder had two in the race. And, he, and his airbag suit went off twice. It's built to go off twice. Once you've had the second, you're supposed to pull in straight away because there isn't a third time for that. But that sort of things means that people aren't taking time off the bike because they're not breaking bones or if they are they're not damaging themselves helmet technology is way better so people aren't getting obvious head injuries the air the air fence that i'm talking about all that stuff is that hiding something that is far more of a creeping and insidious killer that being
5: concussions and head injuries yeah, well, the point about it is, is that the improved safety measures have mitigated the fact that bikes are going way quicker yeah. than they were a few years ago. So the accidents are bigger, but the, res- the, but the injuries, thankfully, are less. But of course, those are the visible injuries. And we're talking now about invisible injuries. And yeah. you get, if you get knocked about, even with a great helmet, you get knocked about you come off a bike at an angle at 170 miles now you still come yeah sometimes you slide sometimes you, if you start to tumble you're banging your head like five or six times as yeah. you roll over yeah um I, it is an issue i don't know whether you can put g meters or impact meters in the helmets to test them or or what but someone there needs to be someone just turning around and going no yeah you're not right uh, we're, not going to, we're not going to ask you you can still be super macho you can have a go at the doctors but we're saying no.
0: Well, well, we have seen in other sports um, mandatory breaks um, for players, uh, 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 riders, drivers. Um, Michael Laverty was uh, very good on the BT coverage at the weekend, talking about different technologies for assessing it in other times. Rob Chalmers, is it time to make it independent? Yes, long past. Matthew Hyman, totally agree with you on concussion. The question should be, if in doubt, don't race. Um, totally agree. No, I know, I know. There's too much money in it, Dex. There's too much money in it. Let's have a quick word about the race uh, at the weekend. It was defined by an injury that's already, ironically, uh, Dex, been um, attended to in the. Right arm, I think it was, of Fabio Quattararo, who got arm pump at the weekend, end, which if you've never had it or you don't know about it, it's extremely painful. And went from basically disappearing at the distance, on any said a word starting with P and ending up and hissing off into the distance, uh, disappearing at the distance on the Monster Energy Yamaha, um, to finishing 13th, just in the points, and some 20 seconds back down the road that's a hard, that's going to be a hard one for the frenchman to take Dex.
1: yeah i i but i will say uh first of all he was he was in agony at the end by yeah, the way he was in how a, did he get to the run, end yeah he was in agony and and it feels like oprah winfrey is in that paddock going you get arm pump you get arm <laughs> pump it's like it's it is it's not because basically you may or may not be aware that it's just been announced that alicia spargro mm is uh, after the french grand prix is going to have arm pump surgery as well so uh, it's absolutely nuts but yeah he 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 added to the point where he effectively couldn't operate uh the the uh the lever and, uh, and which is quite and important because that's fast. the one that stops you from yes, 180 pump, miles an hour yes. yeah yeah And it came on very fast because he went from having basically a 1.9 second lead to uh, a lead of under a second in in a lap. And then a lap later, the lead was gone and uh, he he plummeted. Absolutely plummeted. Uh, there was eleven uh, or twelve finished. laps to go, wasn't there? When it came yeah. on, I mean, it was a
0: long way out. It's this is. We should say that this is not a fitness thing, Nick. This is, you know, it's a it's a physical condition caused by the extreme stresses that are put on the forearms of of motorcyclists who are having to pull the bike up. Uh, massive amount of G is is transmitted through them. Jack Miller took the win uh, in a 1-2 for Ducati Lenovo team with Peko Bagnaia in second and Frankie Morbidelli uh, for Petronas Yamaha in in third position.
1: Jack Miller's first uh, first win since the wet win in Assen. Uh, so, By the way, can I say that was a massive result for Morbidelli. Morbidelli said massive. himself it was like a win. Yeah, because that bike just isn't doesn't have it anymore, and and he did he he was on he's on the nineteen
0: said, bike. Let's not forget. Yeah,
1: and he said he was effectively over the limit every lap for the whole race. Oh, it was
0: it was brilliant to watch. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Takagi uh, Taka, Takaki uh, Nakajima, Nakajima for the LCR Honda in fourth position. John Mayer uh, Nakagami the, Nak- Nak- Nakagami yeah, um, uh, and then John Mayer Alisa Spargerall in sixth. Uh, Nick, we've my worry now for Fabio is not the arm pump surgery. That is fairly standard fair nowadays for, for motorcyclists at the, the top level. Comfortably in lead of the championship, now lost. Does his head go? Because we've seen him when he's tried to ride injured before and when things aren't going his own way. I, I said to Dex, that'll be tough for the Frenchman to take. He's got to get his head back straight away in this championship this year, doesn't he?
5: Well, he has, of course, um, the big difference this year is he has employed a sports psychologist, hasn't he? So after what happened last time, he didn't. Now he has. Let's see if the guy can earn some money. But yeah, I mean, it's disappointing for him because he's going to be recovering for his home Grand Prix. Um, You know, in in any other year, I'd say, well, this is them taking points from each other so Mark Marquez can make a run for the championship. (laughs) But that... But to be honest, that Honda looks awful. So I don't think I don't think even with Mark's brilliance, he's going to be able to make a run for the championship.
0: Mark finished just a second away from his rep, Sir Honda teammate, Paula Spargaro, who uh, also had an interesting uh, weekend in terms of of falling off. Right, we've talked a lot about. Uh, concussion, so that's left us no time to talk about anything else. Dex and Nick, can we talk a bit more about more, more, uh, Mar- uh, Marcus, by the way, has, has withdrawn from this week's testing, which I think is very interesting. He did seven laps, um, did seven
5: laps and gave up. Yeah. He, was too, too, he was too fatigued. Yeah. And Let,
1: probably had concussion in fairness. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's let's finish let's finish this discussion
0: next week when we've got a bit more time to do it. Uh, for the moment, oh, yeah. Nick and Dex, thank you very much indeed. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport with just after nine o'clock. Time 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 to move on on Series 16, Episode 18. Please report any unattended bags to a member of... Oh, hang on. Wrong script.
5: It's Midweek Motorsport and still
0: to come. Uh, Still to come tonight. uh, We haven't done Formula 1 yet. Uh, Nick's Formula 1 team-by-team guide from the AIA the Autodromo International Dual Gav, uh, will be in the second hour we've got quite a lot of sports car news this week after it's been fairly quiet for IMSA uh, we'll also be talking about the final IMSA iRacing uh, that's on Thursday tomorrow and we've got more live racing across the weekend to talk about as well live in sound and vision across the radio show limited network of channels uh, plus your suggestions for Porsche prototype drivers please at specutainment but coming up next we're on the roads to Monaco well we aren't but Sam Smith from the race is and he's up next Midweek Motorsport on RS1 Regular listeners to Midweek Motorsport and indeed to the Radio Show uh, Network of Audio and Video Channels will uh, know that we did a, a a really in-depth preview to the ABB Formula E Championship this year with Sam Smith and Alexander Sims. And it, I really enjoyed doing that and it really set me up to enjoy that series much better this year. Now, when we did that, we did say it to Sam Smith uh, of the race, that we're getting back in at various stages over the season. We're about a third of the way through the season now as we're staring at Monaco, round seven uh, of the championship uh, this year. Seven of 15. We're getting on more to half distance through. So it's about time to have Sam Smith back. Uh, Sam, how are you, fella?
6: Hello, John. Yeah, good to speak to you. I'm fine, thank you. Down in Nice at the minute, having a a day off before heading to Monaco uh, for for this Saturday. So looking forward to it. Uh,
0: Let's talk about that first of all, before we get any further, because this is a big, this is a big, uh, been a big couple of meetings for, Uh, for the ABB Formula E FIA World Championship. Valencia, albeit on a shortened circuit, but a full-size race track, not unique. They've done that before. Monaco this weekend is Monaco. It's the same track that the historic were on a couple of weekends ago. It will be the same track as the Formula One. All right, there's a slight change at Sandoval, but we're not talking about shortcutting anything. This is a big move for Formula E. This means something.
6: It does, yeah, and you know if we get half as good a fight as Lacey versus Marco Werner, then I'll be happy, I think. But uh, hopefully not the outcome, the eventual outcome. But you're right, it's a big deal for Formula E. Um, it's previously used a, a fairly truncated version of the circuit, which sort of did a, a hanger right at Sandevot, went down the that sort of escape road near there down to the harbour side chicane, and, and looped back, and it was it was uh yeah it, it, even even for formula e which as we know on pace isn't massively quick it, it was very noticeable that it had outgrown that we've now got 24 cars on the grid as opposed to 20 in uh, previous races so it needed to happen there was a lot of um, was a lot of pushback initially from president todd on racing on the large circuit, or a version of the large circuit, which this is. I mean, this is 99.9% yeah. the same. Um, actually, just news just in, they have reverted back to the original F1-style Sandevot. So oh, okay. that, that change has actually uh, been changed back. Uh, there'll be a slightly different chicane at the harbour side, but essentially everywhere else will be the same. You will get inevitable comparisons. And,
0: ah, it's daft. Oh, I mean, exactly. It's daft, mate. It's you just, daft. You, you just it's, get it's, it's Apples and... Tennis rackets, as I often say, there's no <laughs> point to that. It's it's exactly true. And you do get fed
6: up and we will get them. Uh, we will get them coming. It's, it's like the old trope of, oh, they can't get up the hill. I mean, it's just nonsense. It's uh, right up there with the uh, modern day conspiracy theories. And you've just got to laugh them off. It was interesting in Valencia, actually, Mark Webber was there and I had a good chat with Mark. And uh, as he rightly said, you know, who compares Formula One with Formula Two, where the lap times are, in his words, horrendous? On race pace mm. you know nobody really does that you never hear you never read articles or you never read stories or interviews where that comparison is made you know you, uh, mark said you can't have your cake and eat it you know combust, combustion engine racing ice engine racing is uber light formula one's uber uber light it's all about the lightness it's all about aero um but a lot of people don't like it because of the way that it you know for, for sustainability issues these days so it's formula e is about messaging for manufacturers around sustainability and EV technology. It's inherently not as quick. It's heavier. The, the, the cars are much, much heavier. Yeah. Um,
0: and they don't have the, the horsepower. They don't have
6: the aero. So, it like you say, apples and squash rackets or tennis rackets, whatever you said.
0: I, 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 you might as well say it to Formula One, go and do a, a, a lap just on your EV power and see what you can do with that. Oh, well, you can't do that, can you not? Oh, so... Mm, right well uh, 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 that's how stupid it is though isn't it you know it's it's like saying snooker and football uh, uh, are the same type of sport because you've got to put a ball into a net at some stage it it, it literally there is there is no comparison other than the fact they've got four wheels i, I don't understand i know why people do it uh, on both sides and we and listen we've all done it in the past we've you've written press releases i've talked about it in the past you can use it as a reference point. We've done it in the World Endurance Championship and said, "Look, how, look how close these WEC cars are to a Formula One time, a Formula One race time." Yeah, but yeah, we've all done it. We still do it in IMSA. Look how close the DPIs are now to the race pace that we had in the twelve hundred horsepower era of the of the Peugeots and the the Audis. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's better to do it in a positive way and see how good these cars are. And let's be... I did the comment for the historics, um, Sam. It would be as daft as seeing the 1976 Formula One cars. Oh, yeah, but they were 20 seconds a lap quicker than the cars from the uh, 1920s and 1930s. Of course they were, because it was different technology. Yeah. You know, progress is a...
6: You know, progress is what it says on the tin, isn't it? Yeah. And I think... I think there's a lot of interest around formula e on that circuit because it will look different i think I think there'll be a novelty aspect yep. to it. obviously we've got this attack mode now, which where's that going to be at Monaco Well, very interesting actually, so that again changed so another curveball for the teams and drivers, so it was changed from. The hairpin, I always call it Lowe's. Uh, no, oh, sorry, okay, station, the, okay, the station, hairpin. The station yeah. hairpin, yeah, yeah, station right. hairpin. Let's yeah, go yeah. way back, to station hairpin. It was a Lowe's, I'm a child of the eighties, John. So I'll call it Lowe's. Yeah, yeah fine. But it was, um, it was initially going to be there, and then it was changed to, and this is where it slightly baffles me. There is no good natural place to put this at Monaco. It's just too narrow, too wide. So it's essentially three transponder loops, which are put um, to the side, offline, so the drivers take this, get an extra an extra 35 kilowatts of boost, but, of course, naturally lose position. So you get this mix-up, natural mix-up of, of places, which is all great, and it's worked very well since they started it at the beginning of Gen 2 in 2018. Now, they've changed it to, get this, probably probably the one place you thought you wouldn't have anything like that, the outside of Casino Square.
0: Oh.
6: So when they come up the hill at Massonet, you've got the left-hander, yep. and then you swing over to the left. It yep. will be placed on the left, on the outside there. Which is as offline as you can get at Monaco. I mean, yes, you know, it, we're not talking about the Monaco of the eighties and nineties and all the, you know, all the the, the different asphalts and, uh, and the and the pavements and so forth. It is now essentially as smooth as a as a Magna Cura or a Hungara Ring or whatever. It's just the, you know just the way it is modern day.
0: That's interesting, that like, though, but, Sam, because what you get there though is the run down to, I suppose, down the hill through onto the seafront, that's going to take up quite a bit before you get an opportunity to use those extra kilowatts. I said RAS Gas, Gasworks Airpin, um, because you can go massively wide offline there, and then you get the benefit down what I know is a fairly short start-finish strip, but it's such a big difference that it might be, it's not even a straight, it's the start-finish curve, as I was Mm -hmm. calling it a couple of weekends ago. That's interesting. I I mean, it is very offline, and you will have to slow down a bit. So I kind of get that. It, it fits in with the philosophy of,
6: of of Power Boost. Indeed. And it will, when they feed back onto the racing line, of course, it will be the racing line. So mm. I can see there being some be contact fun. for sure down the, down the hill. But Rascas is an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, yeah, you could um, they could have the Michael Schumacher lane, couldn't they, there in uh, 2006. <laughs> stop. A little, uh, little cheeky bus stop there. But... Um, I, I think it's. I think it could work. I was quite looking forward to the hairpin because it's such an iconic sort of picture, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think it's one of the first things I remember as a kid seeing that palm tree and the photographers overhanging yeah. the, the the hairpin as they go around it at 26 miles an hour or whatever. And they'd actually widen that. So you, I don't know if you noticed on the strikes that is wider now. You yeah. maybe didn't get the perspective of it, but
0: that that was the initial pump. It's been changed. Um, they could have driven into uh, into the hotel. Um drive up and use that. I mean, I, I, rem- I am old enough to remember when you could actually see, when it was still the railway station, you could actually see this, the station forecourt effectively yeah. there. Wasn't the, wasn't the support paddock there? Yeah. In the underground car park? Yeah. Back in the olden days, yeah. Steady, I mean, boy, steady. It's,
6: steady. it's steady. such a wonderful place, isn't it? I think there are, I mean, looking at the race itself, it will be fascinating to see how it pans out. It's only yeah. a single race single e this this year so all the previous races the three we've had in diria rome and valencia have all been double headers so it will be it's a it's a crucial race for formulary e in in lots of ways i mean the the debacle at valencia uh a few weeks ago it's important for Formula E yeah. to have a really good event well, this well
0: well let's talk about that because we've had six races uh in each of those, there's been plenty of talking points. Uh, you recently wrote an article of, of for the race, and uh, basically said, "Even I think it was even before Valencia, wasn't it? Are they trying to be too clever? Are they trying to be too different?" W- one of the things that I notice, I have, I have a, I have some issues about Formula E. Um, I always say, judge it on the racing, and the racing, for the most part, is good. That to me, is, is is the first thing that you've got to get right, the racing. The problem is that this year we're a world championship and from the three races that I've seen so far, race direction and race control has been appalling. And I know Scott Elkins and I'm very surprised at some of the decisions he's made. So I wonder what pressure's been put on him. It seems that safety is no longer a priority. We've had bits of, large bits of carbon fibre in the middle of the road at Rome throughout the race. We had bits of um, the banners on the side of the track in Rome that had come off part of the way through the, the qualifying sessions that were just left there. Oh, by the way, it's on the left as you come out of turn six or wherever it was. We've had the nightmare of Valencia. Um, this is a world, This is an FIA World Championship now, and I'm not sure it's living up to that. So far, <clears throat> this is the worst season I've seen of FE. What's going on?
6: Yeah, it, some good points there and I tend to agree on most of them, John. I, it is a World Championship. The, the manufacturers and teams are relieved of more money. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to see what has improved. I think from a sporting perspective, there are lots of issues. There are lots of holes in the regulation which have right. been exposed this year. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> well, Diria
0: was one imp- imperfect because not everybody, because of the red flag, could get their second power boost and therefore they were penalised for that. Yeah. Now, that wasn't... Yeah. That wasn't an issue that, that was unknown. That had been raised before. And it's that indeed. sort of thing that you rightly pointed out in that article for the race. It's that sort of thing and the other things that have been exposed since that really shouldn't be happening now in, in what's this, season seven of where we are. Yeah, yeah indeed. And and I think that
6: the question is, why is it happening? Right.
0: And so that's my first, point.
6: what why is yeah, that yeah so,
0: so the first thing
6: to say is um you know i know and, and respect scott elkins massively as well now oh i do to, as well he's to a to good the letter lawyer. of absolutely to the letter of the law um there there's been there has been no wrong decisions so the the fact is and the problem is is the regulations right so you know for instance the energy deduction that happened at valencia was letter of the law right correct you know scott did nothing wrong however the key word is discretion he has the discretion to not take energy off but then if you look at it if you're scott elkins and you are in your race director's uh, cave with all his staff yes. you know he has got multiple inputs coming in on a variety of yep. things should it be solely down to the race director to press that button when it comes to something so integral and so vital like deducting energy mm. in the last few moments of a race which was I think, you know, the FIA were quite clear, you know, that, that was a mistake. I mean, they didn't say explicitly, but they kind of skirted around it. Yeah. And once they'd, once they'd realised that blaming Antonio Felix da Costa wasn't particularly on, they did say, look, you know,
0: we don't want this to happen again. It was an error. But well, some people know. got to the end. So some people have got their calculations better than others, Sam. <laughs> well, so people, in that respect, you could correct. say, yeah. uh, sorry, guys, uh, yeah. but, you know, some people made it. You guys were banking on something that that didn't happen. Well, uh, my my opinion is that the
6: that this championship is under resourced from a sporting,
0: right.
6: perhaps technical level. Now that goes against what some people uh, in the FIA are telling me that they have that they have more people in there. But I think from the outside looking in, all, although obviously you know I follow it very closely and, and understand the rules and regulations. They are very complex. I mean, how many people who weren't part of the paddock understood what was going on in Valencia in the last couple of laps? Very few. And how many people were aware, watching at home, the eyeballs at home, that they weren't running out of energy, that they actually still had 40% state of charge on on those batteries? But the perception of it is so bad for the consumers who are perhaps thinking of, Buying
0: an EV. Well, that's it. The optics, you've made a very good point there, Sam, in that regulations wise, it was all done to the letter of the law. And, you know, my point that some people got to the end will tell you that it was possible that the energy energy management, which is an absolute integral part of Formula E, um, energy management and regen is an absolute integral part. And I quite like that. I think that's really, uh, really important. So it was possible, but the optics for the end user in a sector where range anxiety for the manufacturers for their streetcars is the absolute number one thing that they've got to fight against—it was awful, wasn't it?
6: It was, and they should have thought about that before. I think there was a sense that this could happen, and it actually nearly happened again the day after. Yeah. I mean, if Jake, if Jake Dennis, if Jake Dennis had of. Uh, Decided to to go at a slightly different pace. That would have happened again, and we'd have had it all. And then it would have been a complete disaster. I think the, the the rules. Some of the rules are so complex. Some of them have got holes through them. To give the FIA their due, they have been very flexible before, and I I believe that they will have a supplementary regulation for Monaco, which will go through the World Motorsport Council, which will probably dictate that after 40 minutes no energy can be taken if there is a race neutralization yeah. that that has been pushed by the team everybody's agreed simple. on it simple and, and and obviously if you know if they if the tv people which is um aurora media if they can make that clear in the tv products then people will understand it and they will know that actually the energy management part of it is a is a crucial part and yeah. an interesting part
0: Of the championship, yeah, and and that is a simple and effective way of doing it. It's easy from you know from my point of view. If I was commentating on that, it's easy to to make that point Um, in any championship down through the years where you've had an element of fuel efficiency, energy efficiency. Let's call it now. um, Almost always, your last pit stop is free. Uh, So Nürburgring, NLS, all that sort of stuff. If you look at that, you have a specific timed. Uh, Pit stop, uh, WEC, is the same. Your last pit stop, there's slightly different regulations involved in that. And that's the easiest, easiest thing in the world. So inside the last whatever it is of the race, last 10 laps... After 40 minutes of the race, whatever it is, I think that's brilliant. That's, that's a great, great way to look at it. What about some of the criticisms then that I saw about debris on the track? If we go back to Diria, there was a huge accident. It took a long time to get the red flag out. Um, and then the regulations with the, the power boost. We had debris left on the track on some of the fastest parts of the circuit uh, in Rome. Um, it, again, it just doesn't, it doesn't look right, does it?
6: Yeah, I, you know, I think there's a couple of things. The first thing is Rome was almost an exceptional race because the the track had been modified quite a lot. I mean, it's a fantastic circuit. The the initial one, the original one, was the great.
0: I love the bumps. This one was was,
6: <laughs> This one, I, I've said it so many times. It's the kind of Montjuï Park of uh, Formula <laughs> I, I love it. It's it's such a great place to to hold a race. Yeah, the debris thing. To be honest, I think in the sort of yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. It is a. It is definitely a a Safety orientated issue, and, and I know that Scott and his team are very usually very hot on that. There was, there was a lot going on. I think the big issue really was when Stoffel Van Dorn um, sort of hit the um, the manhole cover. Yeah, and you, were, you and I have been around long oh, enough yes. to, to remember Jesus Perea at Montreal in 1990 yeah. when they had that awful accident and they got that there were um, practice starts happening in, in yes. the three yes. practice. I mean, you know. It was, I think, in retrospect, everyone sort of has a bit of a wry smile about that because Oliver Turvey is the, the last person you expect to make such an error. Yes, as that. It was very costly one. It wrote his car off completely. That could have been an appalling accident. Oh, yes. I mean, that could have gone very, very wrong for lots of reasons, yeah. lots of ways. Thankfully, it didn't, and they got through it. I think, just coming back to the point, John, about, about some of the way that things are run and going back to the penalties we saw, the non-use of an attack zone by a driver, when the race is red flagged with ten or eleven minutes to go, which I think was when Alex Lynn's accident happened in Derrier, is a nonsense. You know, I mean yes there are arguments for saying, well, you know, what are you gonna do? Because they the driver effectively, you know, didn't lose any positions because he didn't use it but you know he didn't know there was going to be a red flag so again there just needs to be a bit more clarity in the regulation so for instance if it was you know with seven minutes to go you had to use all of your attack mode then it's clear and, and yep. the teams and drivers would strategize that but it isn't so therefore but
0: any any race any race where you have a, a regulation um where you've got to do something within the bounds of the full race there's almost always a sliding scale i i think in endurance racing uh, minimum driver times um if there's a red flag then there tends to be a pro rata now obviously that's more difficult to do you either have used your two attack modes or you haven't um i accept that but is is there you know, is there an elegant way and you can't write rules and I'm I'm not saying you should, otherwise you, you get a huge amount of rules. Look at all the nonsense we've got to go through in IMSA to try and mitigate when a safety car comes out in a four or five class race so that nobody gets disadvantaged and somebody always still does, and then when we lose fifteen, twenty minutes of racing to go and pick up a piece of bodywork like we've just been talking about from the middle of, of the track. So I'm acutely aware you can't write rules for every regulation. Is there an easy and elegant way to make that works Sam do you think?
6: Yeah what What do you mean the um, using the attack mode? Yeah <laughs> yeah definitely you know as I said just just have a time just have a, a time that you've got to use it by right. like they're going to do with the energy deduction um, just have a cut off and then yeah. you know and they, they can strategize it. There are so many holes in the regulations and to be fair to, formula- uh, to FIA in particular they have been very flexible in the past. Yes. And they have adapted and this is if 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 anyone hasn't been to a formula e race it all happens on one day So a free practice two free practice sessions um qualifying which is split into to five groups and then a super pole and then the race it all happens in one day yeah. it is full on yeah. i mean we you talk- I mean, i've seen experienced grizzled old pros in the team whether they be engineers mechanics or uh, whatever and even in the fia a sort of wandering zombies by the end of that race because yeah. it is I've seen it in DTM.
0: Tough... DTM went to that so that the Saturday was yeah. one complete event and the Sunday was one complete event. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a genius, genius way to do it. It does mean it's very, very full on. And Mem- you've, got to keep your, yeah, yeah. you've got to keep your wits about you. Let, let's talk about the championship as it stands. Mercedes EQ Formula E team have uh, the first two drivers in the championship standings. Nick de Vries is ahead of his teammate Stoffel van Dorn, which means they're leading the uh, team's championship as well. The evergreen Sam Bird uh, sits handily in third position, um, uh, although disqualified from uh, round five and he didn't finish in round four. So that... His championship charge came to a a bit of a grinding halt there. He's on the same points as Robin Franch, uh, that's uh, 43. And then it's Mitch Evans and Rene Rast on 39. So nice and tight at the, the top of the championship. All still to play for then?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be majorly surprised if we get to Berlin in August and there aren't three or four drivers up for the title. It's just going to be one of those really tight close contests and i think it'll be a bit like season five where i think we had four or five going into the last event in new york the doubleheader to to go for the title and and one of the reasons for that is the qualifying structure which is the more successful you are the more the less favorable the qualifying conditions usually at different tracks and that that varies from track to track of course mercedes certainly seem to have an ever so slight edge but of course the the, the, the other narrative is that we have two teams that have gone for a slot two homologation, meaning that they bring their powertrains a bit later than everyone else. And those two teams are Diesta uh, Cheetah, the reigning champions, with jean Vernon, Verne and Antonio Felix da Costa, and this I'm with Oliver Rowland and Sebastian Buemi. Buemi's had an absolute horror show yes, at the start of the season, down in 20... what is he... So low, I can't even read it. 22nd place.
0: He's not on my, my, my chart. That's he's how not on far that
6: is. <laughs> he's, on the, he's on the second screen. Uh, not Not great for him. He's He's really up against it this year. Roland has got more results than him. DS to Cheats is very interesting. They debuted their new powertrain in Rome, and jean Eric Verne won the first race. Uh, was it the first race? Yes, it was. Mm. The first race in Rome and did a great job. However, they've kind of struggled since then and really Really, sort of found it difficult to hook their car up in the different uh, varying conditions of Valencia. So they they're going to come. They've got a bit of a burn from the stern to to get through. But you know the the overriding thing about Formula e is anybody can win, and literally anybody. Ask Jake Dennis. Mm-hmm. He had he had no points going into Valencia. He finished I think eighth in the first race in that that crazy um, energy debacle race. He managed to get an eighth place there. And then he went into the second event in the more favourable group four of qualifying, nailed it, got it on pole in the better conditions, the dry conditions, and then led from the front as a rookie in only his mm. third event or his sixth race and you know you and I both know that Jake Dennis is a very quick racing driver John from from LMP2 when he was with Jota and with uh, DTM as well where he was uh yeah you know, he, he didn't have the the best package but certainly uh, you know was made a statement of intent about his his skills he has now gone from last in the championship so I think ninth, eighth or ninth, he's behind Verne. So, you know, he has got 33 points. And the the leader, Nick De Vries, who, by the way, has been excellent this season yeah. and is definitely one of the favourites to take the title, is on 57. So from from Nick De Vries on 57 points to Oliver Rowland, who is down in, I think, 13th in 27, 27 points, you've got the capability for somebody like Oliver Rowland to get, to, uh, to get an amazing result. Monaco, and all of a sudden, he's in the top three or four of the championship. Well, so, uh, uh, lot to play for.
0: Yeah, and particularly given the inconsistencies, because you're talking about Nick De Vries, and in rounds three and four, he didn't finish either of them. And as I've just said, Sam Bird got zero points in the, the last two rounds. Robin fryan has yeah. got nothing in round four. Mitch Evans got nothing uh, in round five. Rennie Rast, nothing in round four when he hit the wall uncharacteristically for, for, for Renner. So, I mean, it really is ragged edge Ragged edge stuff. Um, I'm enjoying it. I've been watching it again and and I'm enjoying it. Uh, Tim wants me to ask you a question about the championship. And it's a two-part question. The first part is, Sam Bird did it first at the end of season one. Uh, Seb Buemi did it twice in season two. Three other drivers have done it. Done what? And who are the other three drivers?
6: God, cool. I Tim Gray could come up with that question, eh?
0: <laughs> well, he didn't have a Christmas um, quiz this year. I don't know if it helps. I'll, I'll keep, I'll, Let me
6: think. I'm, I'll, I'm thinking aloud here, John. Sandberg, at the end of season one, won in Battersea. Correct. So that was his home race. Sebastian. Bull it was not something crazy. to do
0: with the win. What else did he do in that race that Bohemi did twice in season two? And you're on the right. It's about winning, but it's about something else in in the process of
6: winning. Oh, did he Did he sort of get the, the holy trinity of pole and
0: fastest lap? Well, he got fastest lap and won. He got ah, fastest right. lap and won. Buemi did it twice in season two. Three <laughs> other yeah. drivers have done it. One in four, one in five, oh. and one in yeah. six. Who are the other three? There's only five drivers that's done it. I, I know one of them, which right. is
6: Daniel Abt in Berlin. That was season four, yeah. Season four. There yeah. one in season five, did he say? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to guess now. I'm going to guess John Eric at Monaco. Very good. Oh, there we go. And what one in season six? Yeah. This probably. You've mentioned one of his the... name
0: already in the in it... in this chat.
6: Is it? Uh... Don't blame him. <laughs> oh, God, he already. said, "Don't
0: blame him." Oh, Sam. Let's have a look. Like um,
6: Scott Elkins.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <No. place. laughs> It was Antonio Felix da Costa. Uh,
6: was that in Berlin or was that at Marrakesh?
0: Oh, now you've asked. I didn't write yeah, that yeah, It was Marrakesh, yeah. says Tim, in my ear. You are, should have been well. out there here as That's well. Sam, smashing. Enjoy, mate. I'm very envious. I didn't get to go to the Historic uh, on site this year. I had to do our commentary from off site. We get another crack at that next year. It's been. A, it's going to be a busy few weeks in the Principality. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Sam Smith from the RIS. Uh, thanks for joining us for this uh, F. Formula E uh, little catch up thanks Sam pleasure thank you John cheers mate enjoy the weekend alright Tim where to next good
6: question Uh, by the way
2: well tomorrow night yes Uh, and thanks Sam who uh, obviously is uh, in Berlin because uh, that's the only place Formula E really goes
0: Uh, (laughs) took my breath away
2: this uh, weekend, in fact, it's not even the weekend because it's tomorrow night. It's the final round of the IMSA Racing Pro Series for 2021. Uh, where are we racing this weekend, John?
0: We are racing at Virtual Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, uh, and we've not had the same winner twice yet. So in the two um, races, in the two races, yeah. So we've had two in either winners, class though, because we have Correct.
2: prototypes as well as GT cars this year.
0: Correct, exactly. So. Yeah, So uh, LMP2s plus the GT Le Mans uh, at Road Atlanta. Mission Race with Road Atlanta, and it's the usual time, six o'clock Eastern. Um, so uh, that is we'll what. That's eleven o'clock. Okay. Uh, half
2: an hour before that.
0: Yeah. Are we? Okay. Fine. Uh, oh yes, because it's a bit qualifying. So half ten UK, half five. No, half Eastern, eleven is UK,
2: right? isn't it?
0: If only there was a website we could look at where we could say that. There is. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and what is it? It's, it's at yeah. and it says half 11 UK time.
0: So that's half past six. Half past. Half six UK. Okay, fine. No, uh, half, half 11 UK, Eastern. Half, half six. Half Eastern. three we'll Pacific. Right. Yeah, Yeah, uh, live and sound and vision. All three. Uh, and if they. I haven't seen an entry list yet. Um. Uh, but if it's been anything like the others they've been stellar absolutely stellar can't in that wait. case I
2: won't ask you for a prediction then uh, and tell you that two hours no three and a half hours before that <laughs> there's more uh, virtual racing news uh, with this week's edition of the Simcast which I think will be Matt and Jordan
0: mm. and what they're talking about this week do we know
2: we don't hmm They're keeping it very silent.
0: Okay, okay, that's good. Uh, That's all good. Uh, It was a bit weak in the Far East this week. It was, Uh, yes. It was golden, (laughs) in fact.
2: The Takanakono Hotel Fuji GT500 race. Round two of the 2021 UltraBack Super GT Series was held yesterday afternoon in the GT500 class. The number no. 17 Esterno and SX GT took the lead with a well time pit stop and held off the pursuers in the second half to take the win. In the GT300 class, the number no. 60 Sintium LM Corsa GR Super GT took the win. Uh, Bertrand Baguette, the winner, said, For my stint, I was able to go out in the lead after the pit stop, thanks to the good strategy and judgment of the team. After that, the tie choice turned out to be right too. This is truly a fortunate win for us. And his teammate, uh, Kudai, Sukakoshi said, I made a mistake in yesterday's qualifying and I wasn't able to show real speed in the first stint to give us any good momentum. But thanks to good judgment by the team, we were able to take the lead thanks to the right timing our pit stop. After that, Bertrand kept the lead well for us. With the help of everyone on the team, I was able to hold off the pressure from behind. This was truly a team victory. Next time, I want to show some decisive speed myself to get us a win. It's not the only Asian motorsport uh, we have to talk about because this weekend. It's the start of the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia Series. Uh, First race on Saturday at uh, 5 to 6 UK time, and the second race is on Sunday, 90 minutes earlier than that. Uh, John, you're going to be covering this series this year. I'm looking forward to it. Any predictions for a race winner? Uh,
0: It'll be a Porsche, I think. Uh, They're they're running the new 9.92s, actually. Uh, So the same as we've seen in... uh, some of the European championships. And the Porsche Carrera uh, Cup North of America, of course. And the new Porsche Carrera Cup North America Present presented. By the by Cayman the Cayman Islands. Islands, which was at uh, at Corda. We'll talk about that with Sheer uh, in a little while. But we uh, no, it's time to welcome to back
2: uh, Nick Damon.
0: And no. that can only mean one thing because at the weekend uh, we had the race at the most roller coastery of roller coaster type <laughs> circuits, the uh Auto-Trobo International to Algarve, which means it's time for F1. Hooray!
5: Yay. Hey,
2: and Nick Damon's team-by-team review. Team
5: Go on then. Uh, Fire me off, young man. Four
2: teams had no, neither of their drivers finishing on the lead lap, uh, and the worst of those, uh, I'm going to say, was Alfa Romeo Sauber.
5: Well, Alfa Romeo Saba, it doesn't help when, uh, when your star, if ageing and waning <laughs> driver, uh, looks down. His um, bifocals don't focus, nothing quickly. He looks up again. He's rammed into the back of his, of his teammate, um, which is what Kimi Raikkonen did uh, on the uh, first lap, causing a safety car. And Antonio Giovinazzi, um, I thought he was pretty good, actually. I think he's, he's, he's extracting the most from the Alfa Romeo. He's, I think he's been better than he has in the previous two years, but still, I'm sure there's better people in the Ferrari Junior club who could be in F1.
2: Uh, Haas?
5: Well, you know, you know, you think, oh, he can't get any worse. And then he does. So Mazapan's not only just spinning, <laughs> but he's, he's also trying to take out the leader. So he can't drive. He can't stay on the track. He can't avoid people and he can't get out of the way. Um, so, yes, I mean, he, I think he's really going for the UGE day role as the worst F1 driver for many, many years. Is he um, anywhere near the 107%? And does that even exist anymore? it's very nebulous it, it would only count you only count it in the individual session so you might be 107 percent of the fastest time in fp3 but it's actually in fp1 so theoretically in q1 sorry uh you could be outside 107 percent but um as long as you've done a, a representative time at any other point they always let you in anyway it's just, it's it's a, it's a little bit slow the car's a little bit slow but it's just it's, it's carelessness that's and the really car's the issue.
2: very slow
5: nick Well, it's not very slow when you give it to a Schumacher, is it? And I I thought that that Mick's actually, I'm I'm absolutely certain this is the ideal situation for Mick Schumacher. Mick Schumacher is a guy who has historically needed two years to get up to speed, a year to learn and he's he's very good. He's doing his learning year where he's only having to beat the world's worst F1 driver um, and... This race, he actually managed to get on the back of um, another particularly poor but very rich driver, uh, Nicholas Atifi, and overtake him. for actually his first actual, real, genuine overtake of the season. So Schumacher looking good.
0: Pretty poor, but exceedingly rich. I like that. That's going to be a (laughs) T-shirt.
5: Let's move on. Uh, Williams. Uh, yeah, well, George Russell was fantastic on Saturday, qualifying 11th, but uh, someone said perhaps they're spending too much time work doing their qualifying set up, the race setup, up, because the car was awful in the race. He just fell backwards, couldn't uh, follow anything else, drifted around, did finish 60, did out-qualify Nikolai who was a bit poor as well. So currently it's two billionaires, sons, both rubbish.
3: Uh,
2: Alfa Tauri. They actually got... To, Yugi Sonoda. Uh, yeah, a, okay. t- a car in the points.
5: Well, no, you see, Yuki Snowda, right, Bahrain, greatest thing since sliced bread. Imola, worst thing since a whole loaf of bread. This race, was he even there? So nondescript. So, yeah, his his star is a little bit waning after a, a crescendo of excitement coming out of Bahrain. Uh, needs to start moving forward again in Barcelona this week. And... Um, yeah, and uh, we had a point, didn't we, for Pierre Gasly, who was kind of the... Ta- after wasn't very happy with the conditions at, at um, Portsmouth with the wind, and he was hanging on, he managed to get a point right at the end because Carlos Sainz had the wrong tyres on.
2: Uh, Aston Martin.
5: Well, our third billionaire, Salon, wasn't he? Uh, oh, no, he was rubbish as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> so there we go. So he was rubbish. He a fla- badly. A, there, was, there was a flash. There was a flash of the old Seb. But it it went out almost as soon as it had been lit. No, Seb Seb did okay in qualifying. Um, In the race, despite having the less the less quick car, he managed to stay ahead of Lance. Um, Yeah, I mean, he suffered from what he always suffers from. Seb
0: Seb has never liked a loose rear end. He likes it tight at the back. And Mm -hmm. uh, with those low rear cars and the wind from behind, he wasn't Mm -hmm. getting the feel from the back tires.
5: The only thing I would say is that their car. There are two low-rate cars, and one of them hasn't really improved much since Bahrain, and one of them has. Good point. So, you know, you, you go around, and yes, you are at a disadvantage, but you appear to be more interested in moaning about your disadvantage than fixing it.
2: Uh, They did have new parts for one of the uh, Aston Martins. Yes, yeah, just for Lance, uh,
5: based on the. Well, apparently it's the egalitarian thing at uh, uh, racing points. Sorry, racing point Aston Martin. You always give the person with the most points the new parts. Luckily, so far every time I had new parts, that's always been Lance. So let's see what happens when it's not Lance and they have new parts, shall we?
2: Lance was saying that the new parts didn't make the car any better. In fact, it was worse.
5: Yeah, that's a bit worrying because they've they, they've they've rushed through the same new parts for the next race. So perhaps they don't believe him.
2: Uh, Ferrari come next.
5: Yeah, oh, so um, team
2: beleaguered Ferrari Carlos, come next. Well,
5: Still beleaguered. beleaguered Ferrari. beleaguered. They're they're in a battle for third, which is you know, always a little bit you know, worrying. me a battle for third, Carlos signs a bit unlucky. Qualified well. Um, they seem to make a, a really weird decision to go from soft to mediums, which was always a stretch rather than going from soft to hard, which tends to work around this track. I think we were surprised when the mediums didn't work, which they already knew the mediums didn't work, they weren't working with Charles Leclerc's car. So again, we managed to have some Ferrari um, shotgun in the foot action there. Uh, science um, faded back to 11th because the tyres went off. Uh, Charles Leclerc, with a better strategy of medium onto hard, um, managed to get sixth, which I think really, again, I think, I think, I think McLaren is very self-critical, but I think, really, he's got the maximum number of points that car could have got this year.
2: OK, let's move on to McLaren.
5: Yes, Danny Ricciardo absolutely dropped the, um, the proverbial ball, didn't he, uh, in, by being eliminated from first qualifying. Um, then, running long flattered himself by running, I think, as high as fifth at one point during the rotation of those pit stops, faded back to 11th, got back to ninth, but again, it's not really working for Danny Rick, mainly because it's working so well for Lando Norris, who's still third overall in the championship. Uh, two uh, two good results have now been backed up by a third one and a fifth place, which was the best he could get, cause best of the rest, because the top four was two Red Bulls and two Mercedes. Uh, Lando looking very much like the real deal here, um, and adding his name, I think, to the Clares and the... And, um, the Verstappen's as the as the coming men for future and uh, of course George Russell for, who we competing when uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton eventually hangs up his helmet. Alpine. Well, Alpine were the biggest surprise of the weekend because Alpine have been absolutely rubbish the first two races and kind of gained a few points here and there through sheer luck and perseverance, but generally quick the whole way through. Esteban Ocon has absolutely risen to the challenge of, of taking on Fernando Alonso and certainly has got qualifying nailed compared to uh, the Spaniard. In the race, they ended up only a couple of seconds apart because Alonso got the racing bit nailed, which is not really a surprise is it? Um, Came alive in the second part of the race and they got seventh and eighth, which, you know, fourth best team, which was quite surprising really, because they were languishing. But it'd be interesting to see whether this is a one-off, given it's weird low grip and high wind. If they can do it in Spain, which is your reference point in Barcelona track for for aero development and overall chassis handling, um, then they'd be very pleased.
2: Uh, where do we go next? Red Bull.
5: Um, yes. Now, I think it's really important to to say this because this is this is this is the, the thing that I do feel, you know, genuinely that seventy eight year old uh, Helmut Marco is absolutely um, the right person to have as your spokesman, because he comes out with 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 nothing but truths and unarguable facts. That, for example, Red Bull are being penalised by the FIA for track limits just because they keep going over track limits uh, and losing points because they've gone over track limits. Right. Yes. They say, oh, we've lost a pole, we've lost a win, we've lost it, a... they no, haven't lost any of those things because you never had them because you didn't go around the track properly. Yeah, it's, if you want, you know, it's, it's just it's like saying, okay, well, we would on, you know, we have won but we scored seven offside goals. They weren't goals. All, we all of really these
2: tracks that move tonight. when the Red Sorry, Bull Paul. car comes along, though.
5: No. No. Also, The other thing about it is, and then this is John's favourite pet hate, I know for a fact, is they obviously don't read the rule book or they don't read the supplementary rules. Supplementary regs. I mean, what on earth was Verstappen going, I didn't know they were doing monetary track limits at turn 14. Once again, I knew it and I'm just watching the telly. You know, much as I knew all the rules were turned four at Bahrain, just watching the telly. It's your job to know this. Well, somebody
0: in the team should know it.
5: Maybe, the,
0: I,
2: Nick, I, I, if if you went to the driver mm-hmm. briefing, maybe you wouldn't know either, though.
5: Why wouldn't I know?
2: Well, clearly it's not being mentioned. Or maybe it is, and maybe
5: well, well, he's not paying attention. Well, you kind of think, Mercedes, made, Mercedes dropped the ball a couple of times last year by not reading the rules, mm. but... Um, it appears they don't have an official rule reader because they've got the rule reading right so far this season. It does An official rule a...
0: reader? Can well, I
5: apply I? for that? I am pretty certain that someone's been given the job of reading the rules. Real Literally. Madrid are complaining
0: that um, when they're kicking the ball around on the sideline against Chelsea this evening in the Champions League, that's not counting for anything on the pitch. That's it And it's just not fair. It's cost it's them not. this game, apparently.
5: It's not. Um, yeah, so anyway, so... I, I, I just don't, I, I don't know why you say that, because it just makes you look stupid. Mm-hmm. It just makes them look stupid that they think they're being hard done by because they're actually not following the rules. No, it's not like it's not, it's not even subjective. It's objective. We can actually see your car not on the track against the rules. <laughs> you, know, and it's, again, it, you know, if you're trying to make obviously they're trying to make a narrative and they're trying to put pressure on Massey, but it doesn't work when everyone goes, no, that's rubbish.
2: Did you see the True. meme that Sam Collins made?
5: No, I didn't actually.
2: Uh it was uh Verstappen, uh after the race being asked about track limits with on the big screen behind him his car clearly exceeding track limits.
5: <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah, yeah I mean they're talking about Sergio Perez um got fourth, so he managed to get where he's supposed to be, um Made a mistake about by, by assuming that someone was get called for track limits, and then that he admitted, admitted he didn't try and stop Norris going past it because he thought it was going to be called. I'm thinking, for goodness' sake! Anyway, so that's a bit naive. Um And uh, Max did reasonably well, uh, got second, so yeah, not bad.
2: And not Mercedes, Benz—they
5: won, they won, they won again. again. Um, who, who won? People who, who? Mercedes uh, and, people. and which of the Mercedes drivers won again? The one, that one the wins. guy who's the best driver in F1. You know, people people keep arguing this point and saying he's got the best car and everything else. But by the way, you did quite... mention Alpine. Yes, we did. Mm. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, we did. Okay, fine. But Extensibly. the thing about it, the thing about it is, okay. people have been whinging and moaning about DRS again because that's how he overtook Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamel- and and uh, Valtteri Bottas. But the interesting thing is, thinking, oh, it's not fair because the Mercedes are so much quicker in a straight. Yeah, that's because they've chosen a different drag level. They've got different well, wings also, on the did
0: car. you read there was an excellent piece yes about the high
5: break,
0: yeah yeah in our motorsport magazine on their website mark Hughes, mph really good piece about why lewis didn't bother trying to follow people in the middle part of the track but did get close to them
5: coming through 14? Yeah, yeah. 13, 14 yeah yeah that's 14 yeah very good point, by yeah. User. I mean the other point is that one of the, 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 all the disadvantages we, we apparently are seeing, we are seeing actually from uh, the advantages the high rate car has um, in in the corners, it is a dragier um, solution. So the fact mm. is that you've got a car that's suffering a rest of trap, but it is actually quite fast in a straight line, and it's quite interesting. You've noticed that this year that Mercedes are up in speed traps and everyone, when traditionally they've always not been correct because they've always run a lot more downforce. Well, they hadn't got the downforce, which meant they were really quick down the straight, which is. Wait, you can overtake, but you take the pain and the rest of the track, and they were good enough around there. So I'm kind of thinking there's a lot of people moaning about stuff because they're not seeing what they want to see. The problem is that when you have two evenly matched cars, which they pretty much are now, it doesn't mean when they're evenly matched, Mercedes aren't going to win. They're evenly matched. Therefore, they'll win even amounts of races, plus or minus the talent of the drivers. And at the moment, the plus of, the, of Lewis Hamilton is more than the plus of Max That might switch around. might see Max with the next seven races. You know, he might absolutely go for it. But... You know, that's where we're at. But it doesn't mean, oh, it's Mercedes dominance again. No, it's just how racing works. I generally think that most people who watch F1 don't understand how racing works.
2: And when we, uh, before we move away from Formula One, Nick, uh, where are we off to next?
5: All the way to Barcelona. It was the first time that we
0: met. Is that Barcelona? Or the Circuit of Catalonia, of course, some people call it.
2: Yes, some people do call it that.
0: <laughs> well done. That was specifically asked for tonight on the Facebook Uh For Matthew Uh yeah, but... We
2: asked earlier for your tweets uh, with some oh, drivers oh. for the Porsche Penske WEC team. Uh, shall I give you my suggestions?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to be covered. There's one tweet here that covers pretty much all of them from Ewan. Um, but go on
2: I can't even uh, see where I've put it now uh, I had Thomas prining on there right? Uh, I who is a Porsche driver yes I had Pascal Wehrlein on there who is a Porsche, Porsche, Porsche driver. driver I had Jackson yep. Evans on there who isn't. is a Porsche driver
0: he's not He's not a Porsche f- factory driver
2: he's uh, on the Porsche Young Driver programme he's one uh, of two drivers on the Porsche Young Driver programme I this thought year. it was
0: only Julian and Uh, uh, I thought it was only Ian Chan-Guven this year because they didn't have the shootout last year.
2: Uh, They have uh, both uh, Evans and Guven. Hmm,
0: okay.
2: Uh, Harry King, the uh, reigning Carrera Cup champion. Uh, Larry Ten Vorder, the reigning Carrera Cup Deutschland champion. And Neil Jarney because uh, uh, Nick Damon thinks he's too old at the age of 37.
0: Here's what the listener thinks. Uh, and I'll go back to the first ones. Tandy, Tandy and Tandy. Bamthor for one car. Jaminet and Evans for the other. Um, and, and by the way... These Alonis are predictions Manchus.
2: for the North American, the IMSA cars, presumably.
0: Well, uh, Hul- Hulkenberg. Uh, Leeds going to IMSA. Uh, a big name as well. Maybe Fernando Alonso. No, I think he's a bit busy uh, at the moment. Uh, Lawrence who, by the way, loves the fact that he's been nominated by a few people on Twitter. Very good. Uh, uh, Chris, Chris Whitfield, the correct answer for this is always Romain Dumas and Timo Bernard. Uh, another one for Nick Tandy from 917 Delaney. Nico Hulkenberg, arguably the most successful por- por- Porsche driver ever, has won all the races he's ever competed in the Porsche. Andre Lotterer, says Andrew Muggeridge. He's
2: a good suggestion uh, as well, yes. I nearly put now, him on my team.
0: Ewan has added somebody that I've put in as well. So Lotterer Verline, Jani, Dumas Estra, Leeds, Vanto Bamba, Jamine, Campbell, Paginot, admittedly not, not a Porsche connection, but has a Penske one. And one that I think is Simona Di Silvestro. I think that's well, a great she, of
2: course as a test driver for the Formula E team.
0: She's a Porsche factory driver, yeah. The Porsche factory drivers for 2021, as announced last December, were Jimmy Bruni, Matt Gamble, Romain Dumas, Kevin Estre, Jaminet, Gianni Leitz-Long, so Pat Long is still a driver, Lotterer, Matt Ivecki, Prining, Silvestre, Diss of Van Vanto of the young professional was Julian Andlauer and Aishan Gouven. Um, as the Porsche Junior. I didn't realise Jackson Ed- Evans had been um, added uh, to that. Shea Adam uh, is with us as well. Nick Damon, uh, Porsche Porsche drivers, anybody we've missed out of that that you think might end up in a in a Porsche lmdh dpi 2.0? Um,
5: yeah, all the guys who do particularly well in P2 at the moment I haven't been signed up by... Um, Alex Brundle. Um, Possibly, um, Philippe Aberkirk, of course, has passed over by um, very good uh, Peugeot. There's a lot of very good drivers who aren't on, the, and, and you know, and they, who aren't on the Porsche program. And considering the Porsche program, I'm sure it's going to continue running RSRs as customer cars. Who place them to go? I'm pretty sure they're going to be looking at people who know how to drive a P2 just as much as people who happen to be on their their Carrera based um, career path. Carrera career. Shea
0: Adam, how important is it to know the American circuits? Have we missed anybody from the prototype ranks? I, I mean, Colin Brown, surely he's got to get a, a
3: shout there somewhere, hasn't he? Um, selfishly, I would hope so. Uh, Colin's too good to to not be given an opportunity at something like that. But there is a big uh, French flag that's waving. Who's a French Porsche driver who's gone over to race prototypes starting at Le Mans last year, Mr. Patrick Peeley. That could be fun. Uh, could we have Patricks in a car, Pelé and Long sharing a prototype? I'd love that.
0: I think Pelé's still got it in him. Absolutely. Yeah. And and he's, you know, he's he's very good. Oli Pla.
3: American champion.
0: Uh, Oli yeah. Pla knows some of the circuits. Um,
3: some, not all. He's learning the rest of them this year, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's uh, talk a little bit about some IMSA news. Uh, entry lists Alrighty. for Mid Ohio are out. Um, first of all, uh, first of all, the main race. Uh, welcome back to Ross Gunn, uh, and yeah. not just welcome back for one race either.
3: No, this was an email that dropped into my inbox late last night. Uh, part of the advantage of living in Mountain Standard Time now is I don't go to bed quite as early as I used to. Ross Gunn, full season in Heart of Racing, asked Martin with Roman DeAngelis. He is their second driver for the rest of the year. So Ian James stepping aside to do the endurance races only. But in terms of this entry list that we have, it is worth saying 27 cars total for Mid-Ohio. We have six DPIs on the entry list. There are currently six, but there will be seven LMP3s and then 14 GTD cars. But that number is actually going to drop down to 26 cars total because I'm expecting we're going to lose one of the GTD cars. Grasser rode off another chassis last week testing at Mid-Ohio, and there are no available backups in the States. We're actually expecting that to be the end of their American campaign this year because they've gone through so many cars.
0: Uh, and talk, we've been talking about Porsches. Uh, what's the Porsche news?
3: Uh, Porsche news is not great. There's only one Porsche for Hardpoint. Um At Sebring, they ran the 88 for Kat, Christina, and Bia, and the 99 for Rob Ferriol and Earl Bamber. That was supposed to be two full-season efforts. Well, the money has gotten a little bit tight, and so they have gone down to one car. This being said, in their press release that they sent out not too very long ago, Rob Ferriol and Kat Leg will actually share the car for this race. So no Earl and no Christina at Mid-Ohio. But we're talking about losing races, losing cars. Let's talk about gaining some cars. Welcome to Compass. They're going to be running with an Acura NSX for Jeff Kingsley and Super Mario Farmbacher for the sprint races. Excited to have both of them back. We'll see how Compass does with the Acura after their struggles with McLaren. We welcome back another Acura gradient racing for Till and Mark. That's Bechtelsheimer and Miller. And we've already said congratulations to Mark and Tabitha. And we welcome Carbon with an Audi for Richard Highstand and Jeff Westfall. So this is going to be three sprint-only efforts. It's pretty exciting. Uh, uh,
0: What else have we got? Uh, Uh, The
3: LMP3 car.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Yes, go on, do that.
3: Andretti Autosport is moving up from the Imsa Prototype Challenge. This is the latter series working exactly as it should. And it's going to be Jarrett Andretti and Oliver Askew running at uh, Mid-Ohio. They are not on the official entry list yet, but they will be. So that's going to be exciting to see what they can do in the big category.
0: Uh, let's quickly look at prototype challenge. Uh, sorry, um, Michelin Pilots challenge uh, for that weekend. 36 cars.
3: And I was expecting to see a couple more. I have to say on the entry list, a core motorsport, the team that won the GS championship last year, they were expecting to come back for mid-Ohio. Kyle Marcelli was going to be one of their drivers, but he pointed out on social media, I believe it was yesterday, that because of reasons unforeseen, they would have to withdraw from the race this race, but then they will be back at the next round for the Michelin Pilot Challenge at Watkins Glen, that's a team we've lost. And again, no Bimmer World BMWs oh, wow. on that entry list. That's two races in a row. I'm a little bit worried about those guys. They've been running over in um, SRO lately.
0: Uh, Robert Wiggins, uh, not necessarily to, to race at the moment, but Brian Herter Autosport, <laughs> Uh, are going to give him a test drive in a t- TCR. This, uh, in fact, have given him a test drive in a TCR.
3: At Mid-Ohio yesterday, the weather was not great. It wasn't cooperating, but Robbie getting to go out and pilot Michael Johnson's car. This is a specially equipped Hyundai with hand controls for Michael, who himself is paralyzed ah, from the chest good down. Ah, Phenomenal driver. Robbie got up to speed every lap. He was getting smoother and faster, but it was adapting to a totally different style of driving in a a different way. Um, But, yeah, it it was a bit of um, a a bit of a, a one off at this stage. There's no plans for him to come racing. He was just getting an opportunity to drive a race car for the first time since his accident nearly three years ago. And I kind of hoped that there was going to be an announcement attached to it saying Wiccan's back in a race car for racing purposes. But as of right now, it was just a test drive to see what TCR cars are like.
0: Uh, I still think, by the way, Seb Pre will be um, one of those Porsche drivers as well. No, nothing unexpected in the uh, IMSA prototype challenge. Just 15 cars.
3: Fifteen cars. Uh, The only thing notable is there's only two cars for the old spec of uh, category, Ah, and and there have been as many as five earlier on in the season.
0: And uh, 25 cars for MX-5, that's not going to be entertaining at all. What am I saying? (laughs) The MX-5 challenge uh, is always ridiculously entertaining.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. Mike Globe and Hernan Palermo are back. There's only one new driver on the entry list, and that is actually somebody who is local to the track from Finlay, Ohio, uh, running with JTR, not Joe Tandy Racing, but Jared Thomas, Motorsports <laughs> <Hunter> <laughs> Engineering. So that's going to be exciting, too. So that's a
0: second car for uh, for that Third. team. Third car for that team. Right, okay. Yep,
3: Jared the, Thomas, Chris Noons, and guys, then their Chris. new driver.
0: Right, okay, super dupe. Stay with us, uh, uh We've got a couple of minutes uh, left. Um At the weekend, WEC, but before we go to that, uh, I want to just say um, a note that we saw the last professional race uh, for Ollie Gavin at the weekend. And uh, he's been such an integral part of of Corvette. It was great to see him uh, driving for his last drive in the C8R for the first time the C8R was in Europe.
3: A real hero, a true gentleman, and one of the fastest drivers that you could ever hope to compete against. Ollie will be missed in the paddock, but I hope we're still going to see a smiling face at many tracks across the US.
0: Uh, Nick Damon, you've, as she have, have interviewed Ollie many times. A true gentleman, uh, certainly out of the car, always, uh, want, always able to give us his
5: time. Yeah, I met him very long time. I think I met him in '97 when he was doing his very brief sejour in the safety car, in F1, actually. <laughs> um, That's and a story, uh, yeah, Tell to, yeah, I know, and spoken to him many times. Yeah, he's a lovely bloke, and obviously, uh, it does still. It does mean, the cause of course, that Yardley Hastings is going to need to find a new professional sports car racer.
0: He will always be Yardley Hastings' uh, greatest uh, sports car uh, driver. We gonna, we've going we been given permission to go into a wee bit of overtime so we can talk about the WEC. Before we uh, talk about that, Tim, what point do you want to make about the, the WEC at the weekend?
2: I think we found the new Patrick Heisman.
0: Patrick, fantastic! Ooh. Mm. Now I'm listening. Have we got a pointless press release of the week, then? Uh,
2: Not regarding uh, Patrick Heisman, or indeed the new Patrick Heisman. Who is Brendan Hartley? Why? Do you remember last week when we were talking about uh, the prologue at Spa and uh, the comments from Brendan Hartley after all the other Toyota drivers uh, (laughs) gave comments that were really sort of dismal and we're terrible and the car's terrible, and he just said... Uh, it's been uh, great to finally see the WEC paddock alive again and see all the cars on track. We had nice sunny weather for the two days in the prologue. I hope it stays like that, even though we all know how spa weather can be. I mean, that gave me a clue that he might have some Patrick Heisman tendencies.
0: In that he's just looking on the positive side of everything.
2: No, in that he's talking about the weather. The first thing he talks about is the weather.
0: Well, he- and I thought he's been hanging out with Brits a long time. It's
2: it's just a coincidence. Then Toyota sent out the drivers' comments after free practice. <laughs> I saw this. God, Brendan Hartley. The track conditions were a bit different compared to the Prologue because <laughs> the sun has disappeared. I'm not sure we'll see it again this weekend. <laughs> now he um, wasn't mentioned in the uh, qualifying press release because he uh, didn't. He did, wasn't the he driver that uh, qualified Correct. the car. And uh, obviously, qualifying different this year, you only have one driver in it, don't you rather than the two yeah, yeah. um, but there we go. Brendan Hartley's a new Patrick Heisman. Has anyone ever seen he, the two uh, together?
0: no, no it's true really well nobody nobody's seen Stefan Wilson and in the interim. Uh, manager for Tottenham Hotspur together either.
2: I really don't see the similarity there. Oh,
0: you've got to be kidding! That those two pictures—the one that you posted of Stefan, and the one that uh, Eve posted—they're even pulling the same face. They were identical, separated at birth. Uh, let's talk but, quickly. Uh, sorry, Shay, go ahead.
3: What, was the football coach busy this weekend, John?
0: Ah,
5: was
3: was he doing something? Because I saw Stefan at Sonoma, so I can confirm that.
5: Hmm. Spurs United. So it wasn't much of an effort. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs>
0: Nick, never going to Sheffield anytime soon. Um, quick comments about the WEC at the weekend. Spa, seven kilometers, four miles around. The usual thing. Always a good, um, always a, a, a good warm up for Le Mans. Normally, but of course, that's not happening this year. Um, it was, it was the talk of. It was the top of lap times and and balancing, Nick, between yeah.
5: the oft-slawed... Um, yeah. P2s. Uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 I just think that Toyota, you know... Effectively, I'm just wondering whether Toyota employed Helmut Marco for a couple of days to make themselves look <laughs> stupid because they massively whinged um, at the back end of the prologue test. and Oh, it's not fair. And the P2s are faster. Please penalise them some more. And the I went, no, no, we're not penalising them. No. And then Toyota went, all right, then we'll go as fast as we can then, boys. All right, but right. lob out the sandbags and, you know, found two seconds to lap and just made themselves look stupid. I don't know why they did it. It's just ridiculous. Right. Yes, the car wasn't as reliable as it should have been, but they were still quick.
0: And they made some mistakes in the pit. I'm not sure that's Toyota's way. I'm going to be very honest. I've been around Toyota. Well, that's what they for a... did. I've been around Toyota for a very long time, and I've found them to be honourable and answered the questions I've asked. And I can't say that of some of the other teams that we've been yeah. around in Formula One. Some of them have been. Um, Uh, have misled us by omission, some of them have misled us deliberately by showing pictures that were nothing to do uh, uh, with the cars that were actually turning uh, up Um, and there was some change and some development of the track and uh, it was certainly not the conditions that Toyota wanted and they're still clearly got some work to do on the handling of that car. And I think they're battling. If I'm honest, I think what they're not telling us is how many issues they're battling. If, if I'm honest. Um, but we'll see. Um, the best news is that there's not going to be any changes this season. So frankly, shit, was it wasn't a great week. If you were driving um, a GTE am Porsche.
3: No, it was brutal, particularly for project one. They lost both of their cars completely uh there was a big crash for the 77 that was the proton the dempsey proton competition portion that one did get repaired in time for the race but then it stopped before the end of the race it, it dnf uh, just makes me wonder how many spares of these new cars they actually have floating around europe and how it's going to impact people particularly when we come to le mans and there is a big gtem class already
0: yeah uh, lmp2 the usual bun fight well Except for United Autosport, who I think got two penalties and still won by the better part of a, a lap. The Gary Robertshaw freight train rolls on, Nick, uh, and even with a, a new component to the driver lineup, Phil Hansen, now a gold, and Philippe Albuquerque, surely off to a works drive for something with a VAG badge on it, um, were able to welcome in their new young uh, bronze teammate and still win the race if not at a canter, certainly without breaking a sweat.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think they've just picked up where they left off, haven't they really, UA. It's um, it's just dominance. Um, it's pretty going to concern the rest of the P2 field because they are all even to begin with. So um, it's only just down to uh, set up and driving. So uh, they, they can't go and moan to the FIA. But yeah, I mean, was a lot closer behind um, as people fell over each other not to come second. <laughs> that, pretty much. It was a great race. And if you didn't catch it, then
0: um, I'll tell you what, we'll run it again uh, after this show. A uh, quick bit of housekeeping tomorrow night at nine o'clock. It is the latest edition of On The Grid, uh, which uh, is Tony Ch- Szebeki uh, uh, and Creelsea and the rest of the guys. Uh, Joey Mawson reflects on a dramatic conclusion to the Gold Star title race. Uh, how the weekend unfolded and what's next for his racing journey. Plus, the team will be looking ahead to the next Supercars round at the Bend and how things will likely play out uh, in South Australia. That follows the Simcast team, which is, starts things off at 8 o'clock tomorrow night.
2: Yes, and it is uh, Matt and Jordan, and they'll be talking about the Sim Racer movie, uh, oh. which uh, has had a bit of publicity this week. And sounds terrible. Uh, They're also going to be talking about stinking bishop.
0: (laughs) Oh, I do. uh, Is that
5: a cheese?
2: It is a cheese. Yes.
5: Excellent. Yes. How it relates to sim racing, I'm not sure. But but listen tomorrow about sim racing. Yes. Well, talk about sim racing. We have a a new car. Is another new car is making its debut in the virtual world before it makes a debut in the real world? Isn't it? Because the Gen Seven NASCARs are oh, really? running tonight on iRacing, yes, they're the, it's the open, and the Gen 7 are the NASCARs that actually bring the cars, well, up to the 90s at least, possibly the 2000s. Uh, we were talking were, about uh, this, yeah, that was all, the real car was oh, yeah. revealed at 3pm um, Eastern today. Do they have and independent they rear suspension, them? Nick? Yes, and uh, the whole lot. They uploaded them to the uh, the servers at 3pm um, today, which is blimmin' annoying because I wanted to do something at 3pm and the whole thing was offline. Uh, and they're racing them tonight, I think probably around about 6 o'clock US time. And in yes. It's a celebrity race. Uh, yes, electronic fuel injection, I think, as well. Single uh, single thingy bobs, um, you know. wheel lock-up hubs and lots of stuff. And share what's the connection to sports cars.
3: Action Express is part of the development mm. process for that brand-new car.
0: And he'll be back with me tomorrow night, uh, a little after uh, all of the shows, the magazine shows on RS1. We're on com in sound and vision.
5: Yep, and it's going to be great because it's Atlanta, so it's can't be anything else. It was on the schedule last week. I did a lot of laps there, and um, when Drew showed us his peak, uh, of, of what they'd done where they changed the advert. They could change some of the kerbs, annoyingly. One mm. of them particularly, and I had to change my complete style, love. It was a nightmare. Oh, really?
0: <laughs> yes. Drivers, even virtual drivers, still have a book of actual excuses. Thanks to all of our guests tonight, particularly Sam Smith from the race on his way to Monaco. We have no envy for that whatsoever. Mm. Uh, this weekend, uh, live racing Uh, In Sound and Vision on Sunday for the six hours. That is the qualifying race for the Nürburgring 24 hours. Johnny Palmer, uh, Peter Snowden and me taking you through that. And if you want to be up early or you're on a different time zone, uh, then there's the two Asian uh, sorry, Porsche Carrera Cup Asia races from Shanghai. Uh, details on the series website of how you can watch that. Uh we'll get an, I'm sure we'll get an embed for Radio Show Limited uh, as well for the for at least for the the video. Tim Gray was our executive producer, thanks to Declan, to Nick and to Cher. Our responsible adult was Eve Hewitt. Uh, I'm off now to try and work out how big a football pitch is and whether we can actually go outside of pitch limits when we're in the playoffs. Good night. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more,
4: subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.